How's it going? I'm good, man. I'm I'm looking forward to this app. Yeah, it's our our second double digit episode, episode eleven. Mm, legs eleven. Yeah, and of course, you know, we we promised that we would uh, raise the game. Uh, yeah, I don't. I can't tell if we've done that yet. Like episode <laughs> ten, we I mean we set a record for length, so I guess that's raising the game. But I mean, like, do we have to? Like, I don't think I don't think we can go three and a half hours every episode. Um. Yeah. Well, the thing is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we, this will be like an episode where we're gonna be doing a lot of firsts. So mm. it's it, it's our our first episode with a guest where both you and I are on the episode. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is special. It's, yep. And it's our first lady guest. What? Yeah. And um, yeah. So and that's our first international guest too. Yes, we're in many time zones right now. This is pretty exciting. <laughs> right. So I should introduce our guest. I'm going to introduce her this way. Jade Lindley! Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> there we go. We even got the applause. That's the most uh, anyone's applause for me before. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that introduction was deliberately like the Eric Andre show type of introduction. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how they announce the guests when they come out. Good. And that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like, Excellent. like I, like I feel like we need like monologue jokes to go like at the front of this thing. Yeah. This is. Awesome. Oh yeah. This is not your dad's monologue. And then yeah. <laughs> I shoot Hannibal. That's good. So Jade, welcome to our show. Thank you. Yeah. So um, mm. the reason why we invited you is because um, I actually read something of yours online um which was a really passionate write-up on william friedkin's cruising yeah (laughs) i do love that movie a lot (laughs) yeah so i was like oh man okay i we have to get her on for this episode for blue chips and um yeah we we actually have never met in real life uh we met through twitter and we were actually just discussing this off air before we started recording through a mutual um uh, following person, um, uh, John Cross, and um, yeah. So, how would you describe Jade your your taste in film? Oh, it's bottom of the barrel, B grade excrement. I think <laughs> I think that's probably the yes. best way to put it. I mean, I watch a lot of different things, but like, I just love anything that's like craptacular. Really? Okay. <laughs> would you consider Friedkin's films to be that way, though? No, I wouldn't really consider them like. I find his work more grimy and raw than anything, which is why I really like them. And I think in regards to like cruising, that's definitely got more of that, I guess, B grade sort of thing. Like even with the French connection, it's kind of like that as well. I really like that sort of style of film. So I wouldn't really put it as like slick or like sleek Mm -hmm. looking on screen. Um, But that's kind of like what I dig. Like the dirtier, the grimy, the better. Yeah, and you you tend to like watch a lot of films from what I see from your Twitter. Like you have like a yeah. movie marathon like every night it seems. Oh yeah, that's purely because um I actually have got a lot of illnesses and I get a lot of fevers. So late at night when oh. I can't sleep, I'm just like, well, guess I better watch Heat again. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> three <yeah>. hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh dude, that happens all the time. It's like one AM I'm going 
I could just watch Heat, and that'll take me yeah. at 4 a.m., and then maybe I might get some sleep. But yeah, I mean, no. yeah, <laughs> that movie is that t- kind of movie. Like, m- even if I'm having trouble sleeping and, like, uh, you know, I feel like, okay, maybe just I'll watch the opening, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> you know, Elliot Goldenthal's music is kind of calming yeah. at the beginning, and then, you know, it's, it's pretty quiet, you know. Mm-hmm. Even when, like, De Niro's, like, walking through the hospital, it kind of... You know, there's something calming about it, and then you end up watching the whole thing. Yeah, you I know. know. And then you're like, oh, I'll just watch the first opening heist. That's all I'll watch. Yeah. And, you're like, <laughs> and then you're like, you're going to watch Pacino do his thing. And then you're like, oh, yeah. yeah, I'll watch De Niro fall in love. Sure, why not? And then it yeah. just keeps going. And then you're like, oh, I'm at the shootout now. I'm at the right. bank heist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just like these little moments, like Ted Levine saying like, bang, bang, bang. You know, yeah. those types of bits. You just remember that. And it's mm-hmm. just like you want to relive those moments and i don't know if you know about I, i've mentioned this in a previous podcast but like you know about like the different cuts that michael mann has been doing to the movie over time yeah 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 like the detritus line mm-hmm. yeah it's just crazy like yeah i'm still actually looking for for a copy of the movie that where uh amy Br- Un- who's it who's the actress not amy brennan the other actress um uh the one who plays pacino's wife Oh um, god, I always forget her name. Yeah, I'm but I know the one. I know the one you mean. I know the one. Yeah, she was she was terrible in the Insider with her Southern accent. But, oh uh, god, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. her name, but she delivers that detritus line, and yeah, people, mm. most people have forgotten about it. But yeah. there are some like very passionate Amazon reviews that criticize future releases of Heat because of that. But I don't know. Maybe we might get it back in this new 4K. Yeah. Um, release that's coming out. We'll see. He's always <laughs> just tinkering with it. All right. So, um, yeah, we'll get into some quick cuts. Um, you want to hit it, Steve? Let's do it. Quick cuts. All right. So I just want to start with something um, kind of sad. There's been a, a lot of passings recently, uh, but the one I really want to highlight is um, uh, Jimmy Khan, R.I.P. Um mm. Yeah, really sad that he passed away, especially since, you know, Ray Liotta passed away a few weeks or a month ago. And um, uh, Jimmy Khan was mourning that. And then who knew that he was actually close to, to death's door as well. And I know, Jade, you rewatched Thief recently? Yeah, I actually did like the week before. Oh, the week before? Yeah, so oh, I, wow. I watched it and I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Hate. I'm uh, not Hate thief um and i was like oh i just love this movie i might as well watch it and then like that morning like a few weeks like a week later i was like what the fuck has just happened what so i was like oh that's so sad but yeah yeah. it's wild um yeah and i rewatched it too um and the thing was it was also after um watching the gambler for the first time have you seen that movie oh right yeah 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 and it's such a good movie and uh, i mean i don't really want to spoil it but the ending that focuses on his face is just incredible. <laughs> like, you know, uh, for those who haven't seen it, I mean, it's kind of hard to find, but um, yeah, I think actually um, there's an Australian release of it. Um, uh, I, uh, are you familiar with that? Um, what is that distributor imprint? Oh, yeah, I've got some of their stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they released. Um, that's the only way you can get The Gambler on Blu-ray right now is through mm-hmm. imprint. I didn't know that. Um, I have to buy it then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know. Also, the thing is with their, their Blu-ray, sometimes they're limited and then they sell out. and then. Oh, yeah, they're out of print. Yeah, Yeah, they go out of print and then people, like, sell them for, you know, hun- 
thousand percent on eBay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Gambler, it's 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 great. Um, and then uh, you know, I also rewatched um Freebie and the Bean. <laughs> Have you seen that? Mm-mm, no, I haven't. Oh my god, you have to see Freebie and the Bean. I mean, I think it's in your wheelhouse. You know, yeah. it, it's an action movie. It's politically incorrect. Oh, <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs> it's got a really problematic ending. <laughs> it's just like the, and I mean, you know, Khan in it, he's like he's vicious. He's like um, he's racist. He's just like everything that you, you don't want your main character to be. And he's all of that, but that that was you know the best thing about his characters is just that you know he he was always unhinged, you know he could like explode at any moment, and I liked how he you know he was just such a physical guy, you know yeah. like um the way he waddled you know it was just great, and I mean I I still do think though that um Thief is his best performance like oh by just, far yeah I I think Misery is pretty great but mm-hmm. like. Kathy Bates really is the one that steals the show on that. But right. he's good just to say he's laying in bed for most of it. Like, he's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, not bad at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, Thief is just incredible. I mean, even just the whole thing of, like, he carries this kind of vision board <laughs> in his wallet. Yeah. It's just, like, amazing. How was he even able to put that together, that kind of photo collage in the early 80s? And obviously, it's a great Michael Mann movie, too. It's mm. like... um you know, it's really the first movie that he established his style. You know, I mean, Jericho Mile was great, but like Thief was really the one where it's like, this is a Michael Mann movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. R.I.P. Jimmy Khan. Hmm. Uh, also, I'm really sad to say that uh, one of my favorite shows, probably my favorite show on TV right now, Joe Para Talks with you, got canceled. Ah, oh, so tragic. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that show. No, never heard of it. Oh, it's it's great. It's it's a very American show. It's like very Midwestern, homey kind of show. And I, unlike other shows, I guess it, it the thing about it is that there's not a lot of drama to it. I mean, it, it's supposed to be a comedy, but there's something like gentle and homey about it. I guess that's like Joe Perez's sense of humor. But it's also a really beautiful show. I mean, um, like, he had this viral video called um, Joe Para Talks You to Sleep. And, like, there's a loop. In it. I mean, you know, Jade, since you said you have trouble sleeping, like, <laughs> maybe you should try this Joe Para video. Uh, it's, like, 11 hours uh, <laughs> yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, yeah, also, um, I don't know if you... Have you been watching, Jade, The Boys? The TV oh, show, The Boys? Oh, no, like... I think I'm in the minority with this, but okay. I can't stand it. I've actually read <laughs> all of the comics um, back in. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I read them because uh, I've worked in two comic book stores. Um, I actually currently work in one now, but the first one I worked in, I decided to pick up and read the boys and I read all of it. And I have mm-hmm. to say, it's like, look, I have no issue with um, shit getting like, like the envelope getting pushed and everything, but it gets right. to a stage where it becomes like empty calories. And it's like, man, like I get what you're trying to do, Garth Ennis. He's the, the writer of the right. of the comic, but I'm just like, it just gets a little bit same, same. And I don't remember half of what would happen like 10 minutes after reading it. <laughs> so when All I, right. so when I started the show, when it first started, I watched the first three episodes cause I was like, I'll give it a go. And I watched the first episode. I'm going, Oh my God, I can't believe I have another two hours of this shit. <laughs> and, um, I watched the next three and I was like, no, nah, I'm good. 
So I haven't watched any more of it, but everyone else seems to be frothing over it, which is cool. Like, if you dig it, you dig it. So, right. But it's just yeah. not my thing, surprisingly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm just uh, curious. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, the third season just wrapped. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was kind of disappointed by the, the finale. But I've, I've really been enjoying Anthony Starr's performance as Homelander. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it so much that it made me go back and watch the show that he did before that called Banshee. Never heard it. Oh, it's great. Well, most people haven't heard of it because of um, uh, uh, it was on Cinemax. So, uh, you know, yeah. hardly anybody has Cinemax. <laughs> it was so obscure <laughs> and it got canceled before, you know, they were able to finish the show. It was like actually created by the same guys who, who did True Blood. Um. But it's actually a really good show because um, uh, it, it's like an action show where every um, episode has a an action climax. Like you know, Anthony Starr like gets into a fight in almost every episode. <laughs> it's crazy, and yeah, I, I think the action is is handled very well. And then it's it's interesting too that the one of the main antagonists is um, uh, Ulrich Thompson, um, who was the main character in. Um, uh Thomas Vinterberg's um The Celebration which is a very different movie from what the show is so it's just interesting to see him do that so yeah uh all right so we're going to launch into our next section which is uh what I like to call Carlos Canon Carlos Canon All right so um <laughs> This is the section, Jade, where I usually, like, add something to, like, my canon of movies, which I consider to be, like, you know, all-timers that I, you know, and you might um, it, feel free to, to respond to it if you, if you disagree. Uh, but the, the thing I'm adding to my canon this week is um, Nicholas Winding Refn's L.A. Trilogy. And uh, the L.A. Trilogy I'm considering is actually Drive... Neon Demon and his uh, his TV show, which is basically an eight hour movie, um, uh, too too young to die old, too old to die young. Um, so uh, I actually just recently rewatched Neon Demon and um, and I loved it. Like my initial viewing was it was terrible. Like I, I I saw it like at a late night screening, and there were a bunch of drunk people at the screening, and they were just like commenting and laughing at all the wrong parts in the movie. And that really ruined the the screening for me. But rewatching it again recently, I was like, oh, okay, this is actually, yeah, much better than I remembered. You know, watching it in isolation. So I'm adding uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's trilogy to my canon. Sweet. Yeah, that's three. That's yeah, three movies. Yeah, and Drive to actually, yeah, actually Drive. By the way, um. It got like this uh, deluxe uh, special edition released by Second Sight, which is an incredible company, and they've been doing these like incredible sets, even though they're so expensive. Like the, um, I think the drive one, or I think the retail price for it is like 120 bucks or something like that. And I managed to actually get a copy that was like around 60 bucks, but it, even that is expensive. But um. Uh, it was like a damaged copy from Diabolic DVD. Um, uh, shout out to them for selling it for much cheaper. But um, but yeah, it, it's an incredible package because it has like the 4K, the Blu-ray. Um, it has the novel that Drive is based on. 
uh, by James Salter, and then it has like this incredible book which has like um, uh, interviews. And uh, actually, this is a tie-in to our episode because uh, there's a discussion between Refin and uh, uh, William Friedkin, which is a really <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. Have, have you seen this? James? Oh, dude, I've watched that so many times. <laughs> So what did you think? Oh, I I just love how quick Friedkin is in that with responding to anything he has to say, because <laughs> when he was saying how um, Drive is a is it was it Drive or Only God Forgives is a masterpiece, yeah. and he's just like what the fuck, and he's like, can we get a medic? <laughs> like he's just like we need a medic, and when he says to, oh when he asks him like what it felt like when he's put all this effort into making the movie Sorcerer, and he gets yeah. the first reviews and they pretty much critically pan it. They go he goes how did you feel? <laughs> Friedkin says oh I was great I, I I popped open a bottle of champagne and celebrated. He's like what do you think? <laughs> like, it's like ah oh, that was such a dumb question. That's why I love Friedkin. He'll just say whatever is on his mind. Yeah, I mean, for sure, I would say also, um, like, with Refin, like, uh, as much as I enjoy, I just mentioned those three movies that I enjoyed, uh, yeah, as an interview or even just, like, him doing, like, a Q&A, like, his, his ego clearly gets the better of him, <laughs> and it's yeah. just, like, yeah, he's a little full of himself. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right, so, um, uh... My, our last section in Quick Cuts uh, is going to be my Scott take. Oh, good. Okay, here we go. Scott take. So, yeah, my Scott take is basically my hot take, um, and it ties into what we're actually going to be discussing in this episode. And I, I actually had alluded to this in our previous episode about, like, my main issues with the NBA. So this is my my hot take on it. It's just that, um, yeah, I, I it's it's been hard being a, a basketball fan watching the NBA because, um, yeah, it just it just feels like the refs really dictate the games a lot. <laughs> like that's just how I feel. Like there's not that much parity. It's always like the same teams that tend to win. Even though, you know, I mean, I think the, the Golden State Warriors dynasty has been entertaining. Like, it's been great watching them win, especially, I think, this recent win. You know, it's a great story, you know, just like them coming back from from all the injuries and everything. But at the same time, it's just like, it seems like, um, like Bill Burr even mentions this actually in his podcast that he says that, like, the games are kind of massaged <laughs> you know they're not they're not fixed but it's just like you can just tell like you can you can watch a game in a way of like just watch the first quarter and then you know everything's like loose and easy and then second quarter that's when they start blowing the whistle a lot more and then you know um and then yeah they tried to get the games to be a lot closer you know by calling the fouls and actually there's a line in blue chips that I'll I'll mention once we get there but it it you know it pretty much dictates you know why I'm I'm so disappointed uh with a lot of what goes on in the NBA you know um and you know I mean dynasties are great but yeah it would be a lot nicer to to see um you know uh, a little more parity in the sport yeah I hear you on that like I remember last Last NBA Finals when the Bucks won, 
I remember mm-hmm. being a lot more interested and excited about what was going to happen because you know, anytime you get two sort of different teams in the finals, like like we did in last yeah. year, it was very uh, I don't know, like any anything could happen and legacies can switch, right? And um, and yeah, and so yeah, with this one, with with the Warriors winning again, it's it's um it's it's almost more fun to talk about it later than it is to watch the games. Was kind of yeah. the way I was feeling right yeah exactly so yeah and um you know uh living in close proximity to la you know uh, and this is a good transition to to what we're talking about because this is actually how jade and i first interacted was she had posted something about the tv show winning time and i responded Mm -hmm. to it so um uh yeah jade tell me about winning time like since uh the show's now uh, all said and done. What did you think of it? I dug it. I, I know that it's not accurate, mm-hmm. um, but I really didn't give a shit about that because I th- <laughs> I think what it was, I loved the way it was shot. Mm-hmm. I loved mm-hmm. that sort of like 70s sort of filter that was, was on the screen, but I loved the uh, breaking the fourth wall kind of moments. I, I thought it was really funny. I don't know. It was just really good. It was a, it's a, it was really um, well paced. It it didn't get kind of bogged down too much with like over emotional kind of aspects to it. it. It was very very fast. I really enjoyed watching it. I was quite surprised because I'm not into like the LA Lakers in the slightest. <laughs> um, but I love Magic Johnson. I think he, uh, he was a, a phenomenal player. Right. But I just have never like been one of those guys like, Oh, I love LeBron and I love this player. And I love this player from the LA Lakers. Like I've just never been that way. Right. But I really dug the show really dug it. Cause I, I just like basketball. Oh, right. So I'll, so I'll watch it. So I was like, yeah, I'll turn this on. This will be good for a laugh. And I actually really enjoyed <laughs> it. But um, yeah, right. it was one of the better um, sort of series I've watched. Cause I'm not much of a TV show guy. I'm more mm-hmm. of a film guy. So sure. Um, it's it's a lot, it's a lot for me to invest like ten hours or whatever into a show. Yeah, it was ten hours, right? Yeah, so it, it was it was a lot of it's usually like a lot of time for me to do that just in general. But with that, I was like, yeah, I'll do it for for basketball. I'll do it. Right. it didn't disappoint. Yeah. Did you watch it, Steve? I've only I only watched the pilot or the the first step. I I definitely want to finish okay. it because I really like yeah like everything like the way it looks and obviously John C. Riley's so funny and yeah bring it brings a lot to that character, um and I, you know and you know I just know all the names I know what a young um, Paul Westfall is was like and you know Jeannie Buss and then of course how salty and chappy. Uh, Kareem is and so like just <laughs> and then and then how they like it looks like you know they show Kareem you know work you know working with or on the on that Bruce Lee movie and um I don't know there's just a lot that they brought in um that really builds the world and make it not so much about just you know basketball um so yeah I'm definitely excited to try to finish it I'm I'm like right now I'm just caught up in Stranger Things and that's just such a bear to get through it's like sure. eight movies <laughs> it's, it's not just like 10 episodes like 8 episodes it's like they're all like an hour and a half each it's crazy wow really it's an hour and a yeah, half yeah Stranger Things tr- season 4 is a bear oh man yeah, yeah. It, it feels like Netflix really put all their eggs in one basket there because you know they've been canceling so many of their shows and that's the yeah. one where it's like oh like, let's put all our money in this yeah apparently they're what there's you know 
the storyline is what is, is that their stock just like took a huge hit i haven't you know i you know yeah i, I think so all I, the reasons but yeah and i think uh, people are like saying that that um uh that it kind of bounced back after the third season i mean i haven't been watching it so i don't know but like that's what i've been hearing it's like oh it, this fourth season is like it's it's kind of back to form or something like that but yeah going yeah, back to I dig it yeah, going back to winning time, I also enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. It was it was very entertaining. And I mean, I think um, it's really this thing of like print the legend type of shit. Yeah, where it's like yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, we all know the facts, and I I read Kareem's essay, which was you know like really well written, and you know it, it actually surprised me. It really showed me like how how intelligent he really is. I mean, not that I didn't know that before, but like the essay really was just uh you know it was very eloquent and he pointed out all of the you know the the errors that he would have never cursed at that kid from airplane you know, and stuff like that <laughs> uh, that that never happened and that you know he wasn't like uh he wasn't aloof intentionally it was like because he was actually very shy according to him uh even though yeah That's the actor great. playing Kareem in in the show is is very good like i think he's one of the mm-hmm. the uh really good performances in, in the show even though i think uniformly is very good maybe jason clark's uh uh jerry west was a little too much mm-hmm. <laughs> but um but yeah and uh, like there's that there's this little like kind of throwaway bit where um, Kareem has his own like record room where he's listening to his records, and one of the records they highlight that he's listening to is is one of my favorite Coltrane albums, um, uh, Live at Birdland, and yeah, that was like a, a nice little touch. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's like there were definitely a couple of episodes that felt like filler to me, uh, but yeah, it, it it was amazing to see how everything came together, and you know Jerry West. I mean, not Jerry West, Jerry, uh, Dr. Jerry Buss was just such a fascinating character. Like, you know, somehow he made it work, even though all these, the, all this drama and all these things were falling apart. I, I mean, like, I was even surprised, like, that he, he sold the, the Chrysler building to buy the Lakers, which is just amazing. Yeah. And yeah, it just, um, yeah, it, it really was the start of, basically you know what's been happening to this day and 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 just a huge contrast watching in real time to the real lakers uh falling apart and yeah. not making the playoffs and all the Dude, drama that was so good because it started when all this was going on and i'm like <laughs> wow the irony here right like it's just it's poetic it was yeah. so beautiful yeah, yeah and I mean, it, like like that's what happens when you turn the the team into a larger than life thing. Yeah. Is that when things are good, it's it's even it's even better than just winning a championship. You know, it's it's like this grand thing, but then when things are bad, it's so embarrassing and right. so yeah. toxic. So Steve, being yeah. the LA native, would you say the mm-hmm. Lakers are the number one sports team in LA or is well, it the Dodgers? You know what's funny? Um Growing up, I always felt like the Dodgers were the number one team because the Dodgers were a little more of a the team of like the people. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, it always seemed too expensive or too hard to get to a Laker game. Gotcha. But when the Lakers win, it like the city does ignite in a way that's pretty unique. Mm. And the, I think the law and the Lakers are a little more of like the global sure brand. 
that so like that's the thing i don't have a great sense for is like you know like what does it mean outside of la right but i have a sense that yeah that it is bigger yeah um and 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 just you know just the way that kobe and magic are just so celebrated right um over any sort of dodger you know there definitely are you know some some dodger greats but for the kobe and magic just really means something to the people that um that i think kind of puts the lakers ahead gotcha yeah, and it's just so funny, like, watching L.A. fans' reactions because, you know, you guys have basically been <laughs> yeah. spoiled with so many championships, not just Windfall. in basketball, yeah. but across the major sports in the past 40 years. Yet, you know, when the <laughs> the Lakers are losing, it's like uh, the fans' reactions are like the sky <laughs> is falling. And, like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it can be pretty embarrassing uh, yeah. just, like, how – how the like Lakers fans think every year they should win and every year they should trade for all, every player and every every free agency they, they think okay we're gonna get KD we're gonna get Kyrie we're gonna get oh, this, this, this. my yeah. god it's it's just it's 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 pretty it's pretty asinine and it's yes. pretty entertaining if you can like detach yourself <laughs> from it and yeah. not be not actually be a serious right like, jerk like that but just kind of be oh that this is kind of a fun it's almost like a meme of a of, of a sports fan right you know yeah like uh on twitter actually one of the funniest um <laughs> yeah. uh, follows for me was a uh, lake show yo because it was like every <laughs> yeah. every game that he would attend last season they would lose <laughs> like everybody was like what are you yeah. doing like stop going to games yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's gonna man. happen yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. The, the you know the LeBron to the Lakers thing is is still a troubling sure. thing. I think for a lot of Lakers fans, a lot of Lakers fans don't know how they feel about that 2020 bubble championship. Right. Yeah. It's very soggy. Like we almost like we want to claim it because it ties us with the Celtics, but we don't want to ever talk about it. We just want to watch the Kobe highlights, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's almost like cuz also the the downfall directly after that was just precipitous. It was crazy. Just like how they they fell off yeah. right after yeah. that like a first round elimination then um then not even making the playoffs the following yeah, season. They made it. And yeah. and just yeah, and just um kind of just embarrassing themselves in a way Mm. like night in and night out (laughs) right yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah i i don't count the bubble championship (laughs) just to be honest yeah i don't count it because it's just i don't know it was an empty gym you know there were no fans and then also just like uh yeah there was no travel involved um like lebron got a bunch of rest that he needed in order to, mm. to play as well as he did, you know, and now that he's playing like the regular season, like, you know, it's taking a toll on him. And obviously they're not also they. I mean, I, I don't think they can really surround him with with enough players, especially because, you know, of, um, Anthony Davis's contract taking up so much of the cap along with him. So, yeah. 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 You know, but, I mean, we you know, you know, we all know like the story is that he wants to play with his son. Right, and so it's just like just wait, just will, will he hold the the Lakers hostage long enough and make them draft him, or uh, or will it happen somewhere yeah. else? I, I remember I I forget who it was, but it was someone commented when the, when the, when he signed with the Lakers that they um 
it was someone in, uh, in the, I think they have a radio show in LA and they commented, Oh, now that LeBron's here, it kind of feels like we all now work for LeBron. <laughs> and, and he kind of has that sort of a, a gravitational pull for whatever mm-hmm. city, if he goes to a, and like, I thought it was just like a small town, you know, small market thing, but mm-hmm. he, it really feels like he owns the Lakers and is like, can like do whatever he wants. It's very bizarre. Right. And I mean, you know, he, he, he definitely, I mean, I, as much as you can say about him as a basketball player, like he, he's definitely making moves as an entrepreneur too. I mean, you know, he's the yeah. first billionaire a- active athlete, you know, and right. then also um, uh, he, he's expressing interest in owning an NBA team. Potentially, you know, mm-hmm. if, if Vegas gets one, he might be in on it. So it's just like there's all these these Sweet. factors in it, and all his decisions are fueled by business, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, it's just so. f- funny because because just you know six hours away, like you have a guy like Steph who has just as many rings now, right? And is so beloved, and right? So likable, I think, <laughs> across so many boards that it's just it's it's a really interesting contrast, right? Um, with those two. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, one thing that I would say is probably because of the the mercenary aspect. Like, you know, people love a guy who like plays for one team their entire career. You know, like a Tim yeah. Duncan, a Kobe, or a a Dirk. You know, that they just yeah. like, and then they win championships with those teams. You know, yeah. uh, but LeBron, like, it, it seems like you know he he like he's, yeah. he he has that four year window where he basically will be with <laughs> you know with one team for four years and then he moves on. So yeah. I don't know. It's coming up, and he hasn't committed to the Lakers. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but um, but going back to winning time, I was trying to think. You know, if so, if you know, Jerry Buss was really out there going to the Playboy Mansion, doing all kinds of wild stuff. You know, um, being frivolous at times, I suppose. Um, you know, but all this obviously was in was at a time where I, maybe maybe the sports media and and the media in general would maybe turn a little bit of a blind eye towards a lot of that stuff. Like, is there a parallel to someone who's doing that now? Um, I, like it's I don't know. It's just, it's hard to imagine a, a sports owner acting like that today. Right. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely a gambler, a risk taker, you know. <laughs> That's a, yeah. I mean, my memories of of Doctor Bus was always him being on like poker games on TV. That's mm-hmm. it, <laughs> you know. It's just like that's that was him playing poker. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I definitely remember like like as a, you know maybe in the nineties, seeing him with like young girls like you know on the sidelines and not really getting what the context was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and now kind of understanding and just being like Jesus Christ like I cannot believe that was like and he and, and it was just like this it was just a something for the comment for the sportscaster to just note oh look there's the owner Jerry Buss at the sideline you know right. and just like and he just had no no you know shame no anything about it it was just like this is this is how I live yeah I mean the show basically opens with him waking up at the Playboy Mansion with a bunch of naked women around him, you know, yeah. it's crazy. So that's, um, uh, that's how it went. Yeah. So Jade, for the record, since you are a basketball fan, what is your yeah. team? Uh the Bulls. Oh, okay. Was this because Ooh, of so, Jordan? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, like ever since I was a kid, like the Chicago Bulls have just kind of been in my lexicon. Like it's just always kind of been there. Because my older brother was really into NBA. Okay. 
And actually, my younger brother is named after Michael Jordan because he was born not long after the um, 92 Olympics. Oh, okay. So, I don't know, it's kind of weird. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I kind of got into like that from my older brother and I just watched it, like, every Saturday we used to get it on one of our, like, yeah. network stations. We didn't get it, like, the way, you know, you guys get it in the States and, mm. and we still don't really. <laughs> so, shit. Um, but... Yeah, I um, watched a lot of basketball growing up and I loved, like, the Bulls were, like, number one for me, but I loved Seattle Supersonics because I loved yes. Sean Kemp. Oh, yeah. Love yes. Sean Kemp. Those were like, great everyone goes on a, love Everyone goes on about Gary Payton, but no, I loved Kemp Sean Kemp. The, man. Yeah. the Rain Man. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was all about that. And I loved Orlando Magic because I remember when Shaq got drafted. Yeah. And Shaq. I just... I fell in love with Shaq. Like, <laughs> yeah. I remember, you're going to laugh at this, but I, when I was in grade two, so I would have been about six or seven, we had a dress-up day at school, and I wore my brother's Shaq jersey and wanted to be Shaq. <laughs> so all these girls are dressed like princess outfits, and I rock up in basketball shorts, <laughs> like these big shoes and a big jersey and a backwards Orlando Magic hat. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> I just wanted to be Shaq. <laughs> so, like, I, I loved, I love, I grew up loving basketball. But, yeah, the Bulls were my team. And that's why I really enjoyed, like, um, this last season, mm. especially watching the Bulls. Because, look, I, I wasn't, I didn't think they were going to win. Right. But I was like, you know what? It'd be so great. Because there were some real shining moments there, especially from uh, DeRozan, where I was right. like, this yeah. guy, like, yeah. I can't believe the Lakers didn't want him. I'm just right. Like, yeah. They you, picked you, Westbrook you, over him. That you picked, you, pe- you picked Westbrook, <laughs> yeah. the guy who's, like, pretty much got holding people to ransom because of his $47 million a right. year contract. Yeah. And then you could have had DeRozan. Yeah. And, like, he just, he was so great to watch. And it... I guess it reminded me a little bit of the 90s because not many players these days, like, get stuck in the paint. It's all, like, shooting threes. Do you know what I mean? And that's great and all, but, like, it's more fun watching shit go down Mm -hmm. under the rim. You know what I mean? So that's why I really enjoyed watching DeRozan Mm -hmm. because there was a lot of that. But, yeah. Yeah. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. They got further than the Lakers, though. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Bulls were like my dark horse uh, team yeah. last year. I mean, if, yeah. if uh, sports betting was legal in California, I would have bet on them to win the championship, you oh, know, because really? the odds would have been so good. Yeah. Uh, really? Because, yeah, I mean, I like that starting five, like what they were able to assemble yeah. after getting DeRozan. I mean, they even got um, Lonzo Ball from my team, mm-hmm. the Pelicans, you know, for nothing. <laughs> like that was like a terrible trade for the Pelicans, but <laughs> great for the Bulls. Um and yeah, I, I like even the, yeah their lineup going into next season and then I think Billy Donovan's a great coach. Like I think this is the first time I think since the Derrick Rose Bulls teams that they've kind yeah. of had more stability. And I think didn't they resign Levine? For, they did, yeah. Yeah, so that's good. You know, so I think uh, they they have a little more yeah. stability and um yeah maybe the Bulls might compete next year. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully as long as they don't pull like what. Uh, Brooklyn are doing right now with going oh I've got four years left of my contract I want out <laughs> yeah. oh god I couldn't believe that when I when I woke up that morning saying seriously Durant right really on the first day of free agency too <laughs> are you like are you fucking kidding me it's just like uh, especially after Kyrie signed in although I don't I don't really like Kyrie I think mm-hmm. he's a good player but like he's not worth the shit like, right that he, that he pulls. yeah I'm surprised that it. I mean Laker fans want that 
that drama. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they, I know. Yeah, that they're really fantasizing about Kyrie coming to LA. <laughs> Well, like, I, mean, I think it's it's the same thing with Westbrook. They just like oh God, they yeah. they think they can tolerate the drama, or they think that they mm-hmm. want the drama. Right? It's, you know, it's like like it seems fun in July to, to want mm-hmm. it. Be like, yeah, 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 it'll be great. But it's like once it's like December and things are awful, <laughs> they lose the like, Christmas they, game the whole time. You're complaining. <laughs> they always lose the Christmas game. That's always so funny. Yeah, to me yeah. <laughs> that that happens. Well, well, it's like, why would you want him, though? Because, I mean, as, you can say what you want about Westbrook, because I'm not a fan. I've never been a fan of Westbrook, but he plays nearly every game. Right. And Kyrie's is kind of like, eh, I just don't feel like it this week. <laughs> yeah, you he's know, a moody bugger. Don't really feel like it. And, and you have to also take into account, let's just say, like, if they, if they did a trade mm-hmm. of Westbrook and Kyrie, you've got Kyrie there. What if, what if AD isn't playing? Because the guy never plays right? because he's never healthy. Mm. So then you've got a LeBron back to what was happening last season where he was playing nearly the whole game. Right. Yeah. And so you have to score 50 points for them to win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least 45, 50 points. That's the only way. Yeah. It's like the guy's like, like, cause he even had like, didn't he have like a knee injury? Like he was having some yeah, yeah. issues old, with his old knees. man like, knees. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, like, he hasn't really been massively injured like a lot of players have throughout their career. He's He's been 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 very blessed. Mm -hmm. He's been very blessed as LeBron. So it's like, yeah, you're like, how old is he? Like, 37, 38? It's like, yeah, yeah, the knees are going to start to go. If You you might need a knee reconstruction soon. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of weight when you're jumping down from a dunk and your feet hit hit the court. It's going to hurt after a while. So who's to say, like, he might be injured? AD's probably going to be in and out of being injured and playing. So why would you put Kai? either because he's pretty much like your star player that you'd have left right yeah. it's not yeah. worth it yeah it's, not it's worth another it. potential disaster but i'm there to appreciate the drama oh, oh <laughs> yeah. i'll be there with my popcorn just sitting there just watching it yeah well the crazy thing that's looking at their lineup now though they've, they've gotten rid of all their old players you know because that was the oh, whole criticism God. last year like it's only ad now, i know only lebron i think and westbrook that are over 30 on the roster because mm. AD even though you know he's he's a seasoned player he's he's still only like 20 29 so he's yeah. not quite yeah. 30 but yeah he's played less games than that he's just been injured so many times but yeah we'll see what happens with this younger roster this year i mean also you know the, it could be all those like rookie mistakes like um you know the 2019 uh roster with lebron and like all those young guys that could happen yeah. too where they're just like making mistakes and LeBron becomes impatient with the younger guys, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, because he's got like um, Scotty Pippen, doesn't he? Yeah, Scotty Pippen. Have Scotty Pippen Junior. Jr. and, and Shaq's yeah, kid. Junior. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Scotty Pippen Junior. is on like a two-way, two-way. Uh, yeah contract, yeah. and then uh, Shaq's kid. I don't think he's got a guaranteed. I think he only has like a, a oh. tryout. Uh, con- uh. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and they only have enough roster spots. Like so, uh, and they just recently signed that kid that they drafted, uh, Max Christie. So uh, yeah. it's it's going to be very limited. I think they can probably only have keep yeah. one of them. So yeah, is Max Christie is that uh, Doug Christie's kid? Huh, good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was gonna say like there's a lot of nepotism happening. Yeah, it's like the, this is the Lakers. <laughs> it is the Lakers. Yeah, that's yeah. their strategy now. It's like let's just sign all the the kids of um... all the kids, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, he's 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 uh he's actually the son of Max Senior. <laughs> I just looked it up. So not oh. related to to Doug okay. Christie. <laughs> no relation. Whew. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's uh, the Lakers strategy. But I guess that wraps up quick cuts. All right, we did it. Here, let's let's uh, get out of here. All right. Quick cuts. Okay, so Jade, you mentioning Shaq is a great tie-in to what we're gonna discuss the main movie, which is Blue Chips, which was a uh, I think yeah, it was Shaq's film debut. Yeah. Yeah. And it was written by Ron Shelton, um, who I actually mistake in my head that, like, I thought he'd also directed it for some reason. Uh, I completely forgot that William Friedkin directed it until I had, like, rewatched it years ago. Um, and, you know, the thing with Ron Shelton is, you know, he's written and directed movies in, like, three different sports. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's done um, Bull Durham, obviously, in baseball, and then um, White Man Can't Jump, yep. and um, uh, Tin Cup for golf. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and yeah, that's the thing that's... He was, like, for a time, he was, like, the preeminent, like, sports movie director. You know, it was, like, he mm-hmm. um, he knew how to avoid all the, the cliches in sports movies, you know. Uh, but, yeah, eventually, actually... White Man Can't Jump kind of became his undoing uh, because, uh, you know, the movie was such a, like, a, a box office smash that uh, apparently, like, I guess 20th Century Fox didn't, like, give him his cut and he sued them and he won, but that kind of, like, uh, blackballed him in Hollywood. Um, and, you know, Damn. this was, this movie was coming after White Man Can't Jump was such a hit, but he didn't direct it because, um, uh, it was actually a script that he had written in the 80s that he was shopping around Hollywood. So it wasn't even like his call anymore to to direct it. Um, so eventually, I guess William Friedkin expressed interest in it. And I think, you know, William Friedkin was the guy to direct this movie. Um, all right. So, um, yeah, Jay, tell me about your experience watching Blue Chips. Like, what's your history with this movie? So... I watched that for the first time when we first got cable in 1995. And I remember we taped it because we couldn't stay up late to watch it. And me and my older brother just like thrashed that videotape. <laughs> like we watched it so much. And it was such a spectacle because I remember on cable, they were when they were doing like the trailer, like teaser trailers for it before it was going to be released, we were like, oh my God, Shaq's going to be in this movie. It's going to be the greatest movie that's ever been made. <laughs> like... It completely blew my childhood apart. Like, I remember just watching it going, oh, my God, this is incredible. And I'd seen Nick Nolte in a whole bunch of films that my mom would watch. So I knew who he was. And I was like, why is he so angry? Like, I didn't understand (laughs) because I was like six or seven. And all I've ever really experienced with basketball is watching it or watching those. Do you remember those NBA Jam music videos? Do you remember those? Yeah. Yeah, I used to watch that like all the time. (laughs) So that was my experience with basketball. So I'd never known much about like the coaching aspect of it. So when I'm watching, I'm like, why is he like leaving the locker room and coming back and then being nice and then getting angry again? Like yeah. I never understood this it. This is how the movie opens, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's the best opening 
of like nearly any film I've ever seen because you just see him like lose his fucking shit going, why are you even playing? Like, I don't want to see you play. Storms out, comes back in. You know, guys, like, I'm just trying to like help you and encourage you. And as he keeps talking, he like starts to piss himself off even more so then he storms back out the coaches are like okay guys let's just talk about this storms back in for the third time it's just like fuck this shit like it's terrible but it's so good because you realize how much like as when you're watching as an adult you're realizing how much he cares about these kids and how he wants to you know keep on this legacy of the college basketball Hmm. and how not only their reps on the line but his own because when you're watching like when he's um watching the uh, sports cast where that, that news reporter's like, oh, he's kind of like a has-been. Right. And you can kind of just see, like, how downtrodden he's starting to feel because people are thinking, well, he's irrelevant now. Right. So there's all that, 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 that kind of looms over the entire film. It's that desperation. And as a kid, I never really understood that. But as I've watched it a lot growing up, it becomes more and more like prevalent in the film and you can i watched it the other day for like the millionth time uh in preparation for this and i'm just like i felt so bad right for nick nolte the entire time like fuck like you know it's just like anything when you're so desperate to to get something right and you're just watching you felt it i felt his saltiness and i felt his anger and frustration at trying to like secure these players especially um oh what's that the white kid that he um, on the farm yeah, what's his Ricky name Ricky Rowe oh god that kid's such a fuckhead <laughs> yeah. like yeah, I never realised how much of a dickhead yeah. this kid was until I watched it the other night yeah. when he like the first thing that ever comes out of his mouth is how he's obsessed with the girls right and it's like dude <laughs> You should be about the the playing. He's like, oh man, these girls like they're so amazing. And then, and then when he's trying to like do his bargaining with um, Nick Nolte and some of the other players, not the players, sorry, um, managers and whatnot, he's like, oh, I want thirty grand and all this yeah, other stuff. Yeah, in cash. But, <laughs> in cash. Yeah. But he's but to start off the conversation, he's like, yeah, I've thought about it. Yeah, these girls, they're just they're great. And it's like, dude, like. <laughs> You should be talking about the basketball. Right. <laughs> that Yeah, so I felt frustrated for Nick Nolte watching that, just that bit. I was like, now I can see why you're pissed and why you have to do what you do. So, yeah, I love I love the film. It's great. It's, it's so much fun to watch. And I love the fact that it doesn't uh, get bogged down too much with, like, too many subplots. Because right. I think with a film like this, it totally could have. Mm. Um, but it just, every scene is just... Uh, it's integral to the plot. You don't have those filler kind of moments. Even with his romance with his ex-wife, yeah. it's not like you know. It's not like you see them having sex every two or three scenes or anything. You know how like those films can have that right. where they're like, we're just going to put some romance in for the women that have been dragged to see this right. film. You know, it's they don't they don't do any of that. And it's it's a very realistic interpretation of what a relationship would be as well. In 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 what's going on in terms of the plot. So it works. It Friedkin doesn't put like too many bells and whistles on any of his films. Right. He's very raw with how he approaches his filmmaking and this is no exception. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I you know, when I first saw it too, I was like way too young to really understand what was going on, but like something about it like the pace and the the momentum, mm-hmm. it just carries you through. You know, even if you don't yeah. understand what's going on, like with the with the little details of, because you know, uh, seeing it from the outside initially too, like I I had this kind of switch of, basically, I thought Nick Nolte's character, uh, Coach Pete Bell, was like evil. 
you know, and like he deserved what he got uh, in the end. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, watching it again recently, like I realized, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I I do sympathize with him. I realize like this is a person who like basically he has a set of principles and he he believed he was doing things right, but you know, he obviously was also thinking that maybe my my old ways of doing things doesn't work anymore and I need to adapt but you know he kind of gets lured into you know way over into the dark side <laughs> of things you know um but yeah I guess just to kind of give a little summary of what the movie's about uh so Nick Nolte plays this coach Pete Bell who um who coaches this fictional university called Western uh, which you know, if you can just look at the, you know, it's 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 a college that's set in L.A. and the the colors of the team, it's it's obviously UCLA, you know, that it's based on, and um, uh, the this is I think the nuance of like you know the the different dynamics between like college basketball and the NBA is that you know obviously there is that aspect of like you need to constantly win to remain relevant, but the other thing is that. You know, you also have to cycle through a lot more players on a college team because, you know, you obviously have students who graduate or who, like, eventually drop out to, like, just um, go straight to the NBA. So you have to be on this constant recruiting cycle. And that was one of the parts in the movie that I enjoyed was him, like, just traveling around the country and, like, scouting all these players. And then he'll encounter the other scouts from or other coaches from other teams who are also scouting the same players. And he would always, like, get there before them or, like, have some sort of advantage to get there before them. And they would just be, like, you know, dumbfounded. Um, and, yeah, he he manages to recruit, like, these three young players to improve his team. Uh, but you know, uh, with nefarious ends in order to, to close the deal. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, the, one of them being, we've already mentioned, Ricky Rowe, who's um, this white kid from from Indiana. And uh, another one is uh, this kid, Butch, who um, is played by Penny Hardaway. And um, and his future teammate later on in the, uh, a kid from Louisiana, um, Neon, played by Shaq. And, um, yeah, he has, like, three... Th- that's the other fascinating too, thing, too, is, like... Um, and it, it gives us so much more nuances in in how good of a coach he is, actually, is that he knows how to change his approach, you know, with each player, you know? And even, like, dealing with whoever he needs to get through to get to these players. So, you know, he'll even fake, like, his religion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm a... I'm a I'm a I'm a Baptist or a, is it Methodist? <laughs> it's like which one? Is it Pentecostal? Oh, <laughs> it was Pentecostal. Oh well, that's the I one with Shaq. Yeah, that's the one with Shaq. Yeah, yeah. But that's... the one with because uh, uh, Ricky Rowe's dad too, by the way, is played by Jim Beaver, oh. who's one of my favorite actors. <laughs> and, and he's like, "Are you like a First Methodist or Southern Methodist?" And he's like, uh, first, of course." Okay, because yeah, we don't like Southern here. <laughs> it's great. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he manages to get all three of these guys on his team, but, you know, uh, and it, it definitely leads to wins, but then, you know, he has this kind of uh, crazy revelation that we can get into. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, Jade, you mentioned about, like, you know, Nick Nolte, like, being angry and kind of, um, you know, that's not really something you see a lot in the NBA. You know, you don't really see 
you know, coaches losing their top, I think. And kicking the ball into <laughs> the stands. <laughs> I love that Yeah, bit. yeah. And then coaches <laughs> getting ejected. I mean, sometimes you get that. Like, we've seen Steve Kerr get ejected and obviously yeah. um, uh, Coach Pop. Popovich has been ejected a couple of times too. <laughs> but yeah, it's not like to this level of Nick Nolte. And, you know, um, he, he shadowed um, uh, the Indiana coach who also shows up in, in the movie, um, uh, Bobby Knight. And that's who he was basically imitating. And I mean, just a, kind of, um, you know, uh, a, a sign of Nick Nolte's like commitment to this role is that not only was he like shadowing Bobby Knight, like he wrote a two hundred page novel just to like get into Pete Bell's psyche. Yeah. <laughs> like who does that? Like that's just crazy to me. And you know, the other thing about like Jade, you were mentioning um uh the the whole thing about like having something for the women for for people to watch. Yeah. I don't think they really needed to do that because, you know, um when when Nick Nolte was cast in this movie, he was fresh off winning like sexiest man alive. Yeah. I was reading wow. up on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that like what? Like was was there a period where Nick Nolte was thought of as like a handsome sort of like a yeah, yeah apparently like, so Kevin Costner sort of dude. I mean, have you seen the have you seen the movie The Deep? Have you seen that? No. Where he's. Oh, so that's like from the 70s. It's got uh, Robert Shaw and I think it's Jacqueline Bissett. But it's like kind of like one of those underwater uh, movies. like Not like Jaws, but like a creature feature sort of but thing. But it's based on a book and by Peter Benchley, right? Same guy. The day? Yeah, I think it is. Well, there was there was uh, the one that happened in the 90s, which has got uh, William Peterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's called The Beast, though. That's what I was thinking of. But I don't know. But... Um, Anyway, so he was like really blonde in <laughs> okay. that and like had like long hair mm-hmm. in that. So it wouldn't surprise you because I remember asking my mum about this if he, if she thought he was attractive back in the day. And she was like, yeah. I was like, really? Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I he know, was in that uh, Barbra Streisand movie. Uh, oh, Prince Tides. of Tides. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, he, he, he really had like that leading man down, you know, um, before he'd be ca- mm. kind of now has been typecast into like this kind of mumbling old man now which is kind of crazy <laughs> that that's what people <laughs> now know nick nolte as um yeah the deep was based on a peter benchley oh there you go novel too just like jones yeah that. so there you go um but yeah so steve yeah what are your thoughts on uh on blue chips yeah, so the first time I saw it was yeah, it was probably right when it came out, and I honestly only remembered the Shack scenes. I don't I didn't remember anything about the plot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and so watching it this time, I honestly thought the first hour is slow. That was my first mm. thought. Was that like it took about twenty five minutes to get to recruiting, and you don't see Shack until minute forty, and right. I was just like, you know what? That's that's not that's not good enough. I feel like we need like Shaq. He just jumps off of every every um, shot that he's in. He's mm-hmm. so charismatic. Yeah, and I and so I kind of get you know holding him out as like the third recruit. You know you, you know you see first uh, I think Hardaway get recruited and then Ricky Rowe and then Shaq. But yeah, that that was just my big takeaway was just like I just really wanted more Shaq in the movie, and 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 that oh and, and just that opening of you know the first 
of that last game to the presser to, you know, I think, I think he has a conversation with his wife. It just, I feel like it, it, they, they needed to get to the recruiting trail just a little faster there. But, um, cause uh, yeah, cause the, the movie ends up being what about two, a little over two hours, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and the, and like the last 20 minutes is like incredible. The last right. 20 minutes flies. Like once you get to to the basketball game through the presser and just it's 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 amazing. Um so yeah, that was kind of just my fr- first general takeaway from from the rewatch. Gotcha. Yeah, and I mean that was actually a, a criticism of the movie when it came out cuz this movie was not uh well received when it initially mm. came out like it was so badly received that basically a lot I, I even mistook this because when i saw it it was on tv um uh in the uk it was a direct to video release so um that's what ended up happening it, it just got a bunch of uh direct to video releases internationally like it only got a theatrical release in the us and maybe some other countries but not the uk because I was in the UK at that time. And yeah, it was like... And to me, I was just like, man, this is like a really good TV movie. <laughs> like, that was my thought. I was like, man, this is like one of the best TV movies ever made. But <laughs> it turns out that yeah. it was actually a theatrical release. And actually, it was a previous guest of ours, <laughs> Rob Cotto, who corrected me on it. And he was like, yeah, it was actually a... Th- he actually saw it in the theater when it came out initially. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it did not do well. Um, and it obviously had a negative effect on, on William Friedkin, uh, especially because his next film was Jade. Uh, you know, what hey, a, I like that <laughs> movie, all right? Not yeah. just because you shared yeah. the same name with the title. <laughs> That's why I watched Are it. Are you named after that movie, yeah. Jade? No, uh, yeah. I actually don't know why I'm named Jade, actually. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's a that's a weird like kind of cosmic coincidence. I I've, I've been meaning I to rewatch it. I, I haven't seen it in a long time, and I actually because the thing is, um, you know, movies like that would get shown on cable in the Philippines, but they would be heavily censored. So, yeah. um, yeah. So I've only seen like a censored version of it. I've never seen. So I need to to yeah. go back and and watch it. But yeah, I mean, I I think you're um. Your uh, your criticism, uh, Steve, uh, you're not alone on that. But I think I was just like into it from the beginning, just because yeah, you know, I love. I I think I'm I'm carried by by Nick Nolte's performance so much. Um, yeah, in the movie yeah. that that yeah. carries yeah. me through. Um, and yeah, I mean it's just it it that that's why I'm saying like there's just a you can I mean I I went out and watched a uh, white man can't jump right after this. After seeing Blue Chips, uh, rewatching Blue Chips, and I was like, yeah, there's, there's just a difference in the directing styles, you know? You can sense it right away. Like, I mean, I, I enjoy Ron Shelton's movies, but freaking, there's just an intensity there, you know, um, that I don't get as much in Ron Shelton's films, you know? Um, I mean, in a way, like, you can even say, like, the way that, um, Pete Bell gets into the faces of his players. That's kind of how freaking is with his directing. You yeah. Know? Uh, like, like, yeah, one of the pivotal scenes in the movie is basically when, um, you know, he, he finds out that um, uh, one of his players was uh, participating in, uh, in point shaving. And I don't know if you guys know what uh, point shaving is or understood it when you watched the movie. 
not the not when I was a kid. Mm. I didn't know. Yeah, like yeah, like I'd always heard the term, mm-hmm. and I and I can never figure out okay how how does it relate to the, to the point spread? So, but then yeah, see, seeing it play out in the movie, it, it it made it made sense of okay they're they're winning, but they're they're intentionally giving up points so that their team doesn't cover it. Yeah, yeah, the the margin of of winning, um, yeah. you know, it, it it's all to do with gambling. So um, the margin of winning is not um, it's not what the the point spread yeah. is, um, and so this it's actor a, um, it's a cool term mm-hmm. I gotta admit it's like it, it's you know the point shaving at just as a phrase it's very memorable and confusing which is like it's it makes it sticky you know it's good yeah <laughs> so there's that confrontation that that Pete Bell has with his player uh, Tony who um, uh, we also learn. Uh, is from the same school that Butch is from, um, and he confronts him about the the point shaving and uh, the way that that uh, I don't know if you guys read about this. The way that Friedkin directed that scene um, is that he he actually um, so the the actor Anthony C. Hall who plays Tony was like he felt like he he was he was gonna give what Friedkin wanted. Because, you know, that's what they did in the rehearsal. And then the scene happens and then, you know, Friedkin's like cursing at him. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you know, give me the fucking <laughs> scene and blah, blah, blah. And then, it, you know, he just doesn't know what to do. It's like, I thought I'm d- doing it the way you wanted me to. And then Friedkin slaps him. <laughs> and then he gets that performance. And, um, yeah, I sent the, the link to you, Steve, for this uh, kind of oral yeah. history of Blue Chips. And it, yeah, it's it, interesting. Yeah, it's it's a crazy article because it's kind of like done in the style of um, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this biography of uh Edward D. Wood. Um, uh, I forgot what the the title was. It's like Nightmare. Um, but anyway, it's this, it's this fascinating biography because the way that it does it is like it it um, it moves back and forth between different points of view from people instead of just getting like one perspective so this history of blue chips that's one of the things that they do and like you can tell that Friedkin is not sorry that he did that but he's like he <laughs> he says like these days I couldn't do that I could never put my hands on an actor you know <laughs> like that's it that's his only kind of uh my bad kind of thing is that um but other than that it's just like and apparently I didn't even know this that uh, his wife at that time was also the head at Paramount so it's just crazy that I guess they kind of gave him like one more shot with Jade and then because that was like a box office bomb and then uh, uh, critically like um, panned like yeah that was it he was out <laughs> you know um, but yeah it's just wild to, to hear the, those stories and just like how intense it really is to to be on a set with, with Friedkin and how he directs people you know um, uh but yeah, it's wild. Mm. Yeah, like just going back to that scene, I I really liked how angry Nick Nolte gets in a lot of the scenes, and like he really leans into doors and bangs on doors, and um, I think yeah, he kind of storms into that frat party and finds Tony's room, and like just like how he's just single-minded, mm. um, you know. 
you know, at first it was a little confusing. Like, like why is he, you know, storming into into his ex-wife's house all the time? And, um, you know, and yeah, like just yelling at everybody. But it's because, you know, the, I guess the more you, the more information you glean from the movie is like, you know, he's, he just kind of focuses on one thing at a time. He's single minded and he has a, he puts all his heart into every single thing he does. Right. Including, um, yeah. Confronting Tony there, which was, uh, yeah. And yeah. You, you can just tell it, it's such a physical performance because he even works up a sweat. Like, it's just how yeah. crazy how many scenes you can just see the sweat, like, you know, edging on his hairline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, it really is an incredible performance. And, you know, it's just, um, I think this is a, also a movie that just, um, has gotten better over time. It's aged really well, um, because of just how, I mean, it's, it's based on, on actual, like an actual college scandal, that happened with a coach that did this um, in the 70s. Uh, but, you know, there's been recent college scandals, too, that have drawn parallels. Like, you know, um, uh, the, the the USC one is, is a big one, obviously, the in football, uh, where they, they got sanctioned by the NCAA um, and uh, got banned from, from making the playoffs and uh, even, like, their... Uh, what is that? Their recruitment was limited for how many years, you know? And um, yeah, forever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I I don't know if you guys remember the the basketball player OJ Mayo, who's kind of like disappeared now. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. So OJ Mayo, you know, because of the whole thing with the NBA with the one and done thing, that when uh, 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 David Stern decided to to change the age of eligibility to nineteen. It basically forced a lot of um, young hopefuls who wanted to join the NBA to have to like go to college for a year, uh, at least before uh, declaring eligibility for the draft. And OJ Mayo was this like star prospect, and he never attended a class at USC. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that entire year that he played <laughs> for for USC basketball, he never attended a class. So it, it's a joke, but it's just like you can see in this movie, it's just like how they're just so reliant on these things for, for a better life. You know, it's like a, a lot of them are poor, you know, they, and this is it. And it's just like even just uh, that one year of going to college, like they're one like devastating injury away from millions of dollars, you know, potentially, yeah. you know, Um like now i think the the minimum contract in the nba like even if you're just a bench player is almost a million like it's like 900,000 yeah. so even mm-hmm. just to miss out on that you know is crazy so it's like uh i think uh they they talked about it before of like returning the age back to 18 and like i think there was an article actually recently uh that adam silver's working on it the commissioner of the nba but uh mm-hmm. they haven't changed it yet <laughs> Um, and, uh, I think that was actually LeBron's hope that, you know, uh, his son could, could get in earlier, <laughs> you know, as an 18 year old, but now he has to wait another year. Like basically when he's 40, <laughs> yeah. age 40 is... until he can play with his son. Yeah. But yeah. you Yeah. I mean, it, 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 just as a document of, you know, of, of potential, you know, uh, you know, illegal or, you know, or, or, or against NCAA, you know, protocol, you know, ways that student that you know, student athletes get in. It's, it's, it's really good at capturing, you know, these, what's, what's the term it's, is it gifts or, um, yeah, just, 
You know, because, you know, so Ricky Rogue wanted a tractor in cash, and you, you can certainly imagine that that, that sort of, a, that sort of a, a benefit sort of, you can, you know, imagine so many kids getting something like that or their family still, you know, getting stuff like that to this day. You know, I think um, uh, Penny Hardaway's fa- uh, family wanted a house, and I think that's part of yeah. Reggie Bush's story at USC was that Reggie Bush's family had had a, a mysterious house in San Diego, I think. Right, and uh, he got a um, car too, like an SUV. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, the role of the booster and the friends of the program, that's obviously a huge part of all college industries. And it's, it's something that's, that really kind of baffles me. Like, I don't understand necessarily the psyche of that top-level booster, just some rich person mm-hmm. who just loves the school so much that um, or loves a certain sports program so much that they'll, you know, put all that money and effort uh, into something that they can get in major trouble for. Um, right. Yeah. I guess I'm just, I, I just have never been a part of a college situation that that was, that was that deep into the fandom right. that they would go to that level, but obviously it exists. And yeah, you know, here we are 20 years later um, and it's still very relevant. Yeah, I mean, you, you just watch the atmosphere of, of college basketball games and, you know, home court advantage is legit in, in like, the really toughest teams yeah. to play against. Like, they, the crowds are just, like, raucous. Like, actually, I used to play the NCAA basketball game, and if you're playing against, like, the top teams, like, you know, uh, Duke or North Carolina, like, the the arenas actually legitimately like shake like they vibrate and it's like even when you're trying to shoot a free throw like your controller's like shaking like that's how crazy it is um so yeah the the passions really run deep but obviously you know it, it boils down to money and my my sympathy really is with the players you know because it's like you know these colleges are making so much money off of them and they they aren't seeing any of that. Like the best that they they get is like a stipend and a scholarship, and that's it. You know, so like I understand them asking for more um, because of that. And you know, like there there was even this whole thing about um name, image, and likeness because you know the the main reason actually why the NCAA basketball games and the football games don't exist anymore is because uh, a player successfully sued. Uh, EA Sports um, for mm-hmm. for using them, you know, because when you play these college basketball games, what would or even the football games, none of the players would have names, you know. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. like when they did this version of NCAA basketball where it like highlighted Jordan's best games for the North Carolina Titans, he was just uh, shooting guard number twenty three. That was it, yeah. you know, but he played like those highlights, like the buzzer beater that he hit, you know, all of that. But, you know, it was obviously Jordan, but like they couldn't name him. But now they, they put an end to that. And like, um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think that, you know, since the NCAA is making so much money off of this and, you know, they're already making a lot of money off of tuition as well. These colleges, you know, I mean, why not pay these players, you know, because they, they're they're drawing so much of your revenue. I mean. The whole thing with USC too was like uh, with their football team was before like now LA has two football teams. But before that, USC was the only like de facto like football team, you know, for a while mm-hmm. after the uh, the Rams and the, the Raiders left, you know. 
Um, so that that was like a big money maker. Uh, but yeah, it's just crazy that uh, there's there's still no solution for it. You know, you still have the one and done uh, situation uh, with a lot of these players, and um, yeah, and it's just like yeah, I also understand the grind for um for these these coaches and the these scouts to like keep you know they're recruiting to like you know get these five star recruits to to make their their teams relevant you know so yeah like just the imagining the life of a coach is pretty ridiculous um you know just they have to work or it seems like the ones that are really good are over or like way stressed out they have to work year round They have to, you know, like, you know, if you're a football coach, you, you, um, you know, you sort of play, uh, during the holiday season, um, even, even for basketball. Yeah. You're, you, you know, um, you're coaching around then also, but, um, and then, yeah, you have to con- you have to travel around the country, convince these kids and their families to come. Um, it's, uh, yeah. And then you're, in, you're put in that weird position where you're m- potentially making millions as the coach but they um they don't get anything and there's it's 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 still astounding to me that you know there's not some kind of system where there's some sort of money allotment that goes into like a savings account for the players and then if they get drafted that money goes back to the program but if they don't get drafted then and if they graduate then the players can get that monies that they've earned yeah Actually, no. that's a, that's a great idea. I don't know why. Well, I yeah, I understand why they wouldn't because you know they want to keep all the money. So that's that's why they wouldn't. Yeah, do. but yeah, but but I feel like these ideas have been around mm-hmm. for for a while, and it's just um, it it never seems to make any headway. Right. And it makes it I don't know. It makes me get it makes me feel sour on college sports. Right. Which is like the, that's kind of like the sad part is it 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 can it's so magical with the bands mm-hmm. and the fans and the players really playing hard they're you know on defense you have non you have non you know kids that aren't going to be pros mixed with maybe potential pros right it's just really um unpredictable and every basket every you know every uh, possession counts but the money is so twisted and evil and it's um it's a uh, it's uh, not transparent Right, and so it's almost like it. It just makes it a little dirtier to watch. Whereas, like, I, it's easier for me to watch the NBA just knowing, okay, all these guys are getting paid, right. or watch high school and just understand, okay, no, nothing, you know, it's all for fun, or it's you know, it's all just for the love of the game. Um, so yeah, the c- college basketball is in this weird in between where it's um you can kind of look look at it through so many different filters. Right. Yeah, and it's it's also the other thing. I mean, you know, being near L.A., obviously, like, there's other shows in town other than college basketball or college football. But, you know, in other towns, you know, which are smaller, like, I imagine, like, you know, with Duke or uh, North yeah. Carolina, like, that's that's all there is, you know? <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. That's that's what these small towns have. Um, and you know, the, the, uh, even for this is actually a question I have for like, uh, for you guys, um, uh, this is like what sports skeptics say is like, um, why, why, why do you think like people care about like a, a team or a player 
who doesn't know that they exist, like the the crowd. Did I stump mm. you guys? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around the question. Yeah. So, yeah, so say it again. So why why do you think, like, uh, you know, we let's say we uh, hypothetically should care about a player who, who doesn't know that we exist as, like, a crowd? You know, it's like we're just like a general crowd, you know? Right, okay. Um well, I mean, I think the obvious is there is an intrinsic excitement. It's okay, so say we're watching basketball. There is an intrinsic excitement about watching the ball in the air. Okay. Like, I don't know what that is. I just, but it's yeah. just, you know, someone shooting. Like, I want to see it go in. And if someone has some sort of special talent, some kind of extra charisma, you just, you can't help but notice it. Yeah. You can't help but like, oh, I like that guy. Or I like how they're playing. Oh, Steph Curry so there, for me. <laughs> it's that guy. Yeah, they're, 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 whereas, you know, there are some players that no matter how good they are, you just, for whatever reason, it just, they get your goat. And um, so I think there is, there's something natural in that of just like wanting to root for something, especially when you see these athletes that, you know, especially in person, it's like, it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, that, you know, if, you, if you've ever tried to play basketball, you, you know, it's like you make a move and you're going to dribble the ball off your leg half the time. And these guys all can like maintain control of the ball effortlessly. It's, it's like, it's the, it's the hidden trick in watching a game is you don't realize just how good at dribbling everybody right. is. Um, unless, unless you've actually tried to play. So yeah, it's hard. I don't know. I, I, I yeah, <laughs> I, I just think you, you just want to naturally if someone's playing a game you're going to want to pick sides and root right i don't know yeah. yeah well yeah let me ask you jade like in a more specific way so like how are you affected by like bulls games like if they lose or they win like uh, how does that affect your day oh i yell at the tv if they lose <laughs> like I, I, I won't lie i'm i'm that kind of guy when i watch mm -hmm. sport um but when i do watch like the bulls play or even when i watch like the old games like i remember watching like um old ga games of the bulls and utah jazz yeah oh yeah that's sort of legendary oh my lord like it every time i play it's just not play sorry every time i watch it um it's just so intense and you just see the the agility and the the talent and just how athletic these guys are. Even like Carl Malone, he was a big right. boy. You know what I mean? And you, you're watching him play. You're just like, holy shit, he's so fast though. And, you know, it's just when you watch these games, it's so thrilling and it's exciting. And everyone loves a point system. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily just in games, but just in life. Like, it's kind of like how dopamine works, you know, in your brain. Like, whenever you, um, I don't know if you take drugs, not that I take drugs, but if you take drugs or if you, you know, um, sorry to say, but if you have an orgasm or if you get a text message or anything like that, do you have a thing in your brain called dopamine, right? right? And when you're like, when I watch basketball, when I see like an insanely good, like jam or like three throw or anything like that, it's just like that dopamine goes off in my head and I'm like, yeah, I want more of that. So then when they lose, I'm like, fuck. Right. Like, I'm just losing my shit. <laughs> um, like, but I don't know. It's just there's something about, like, watching people perform at complete, like, peak 
of like their athletic ability and it's insane like no matter even if it's not just basketball but like watching like boxers that's another thing like when when you're watching boxing and just seeing like when you watch mike tyson in his prime like holy shit like it's just insane to watch that people can get to that point mm-hmm. and perform right. at the level they do because it makes you go, holy crap, like I'm just this schmuck watching this <laughs> on TV. Like, like I could, and you think to yourself, I could never achieve that. But it's also, you've got to have admiration for not only the physical aspect of it, but the um, psychological aspect with it. And that was what was really good about watching um, uh, The Last Dance right. and seeing the mindset that Michael Jordan gets into when he wants to win. I took win. it personally. And how he'll... <laughs> yeah, he took it personally. Even if they didn't say anything, he'll make it up in his head and go, well, they've said this, so I'm going to make sure that I score like 40 points over this prick tonight. Like, you know, and to get in that mindset, like it shows you the, like who's the weak and who's the strong. And then, like, you know, you look at new basketball players now, like look at the, the whole Ben Simmons right. situation. Yeah, You know, the guy's a really great facilitator, but can't do anything else. And he's like a perfect like height, weight and everything, yeah. but he just doesn't have the passion. Or I, I personally think he doesn't have the psychological ability to play at a really high right. level. Yeah. Like really play. Like he can be a good player, but he's not good. Like I think Barkley said he's like, he's a good player, but he's not going to be a great player. And it's kind of that sort of thing. Like you, ha- you get in awe of them, like superheroes. You're, you're in awe of superheroes. They can do things that you can't, and that's the same with watching basketball. It's the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you, you brought up quite a few things that I want to address. So one is that you brought up Mike Tyson, and I, I actually thought of Mike Tyson um, while watching Blue Chips because I was just thinking, who were like the two most like dominant. Yeah like force of nature athletes in the 90s and it was Shaq and Mike Tyson like those were the two guys I remembered that was just like unstoppable forces and obviously they both had their flaws you know Mike Tyson's flaws probably Mm -hmm. a lot worse than Shaq's but um uh you know I mean Shaq couldn't make a free throw but (laughs) yeah Tyson you know eventually you know when you talk about psychology like yeah I think they, they they eventually got into his head um but yeah, that that is a fascinating thing too. That the whole thing of of how sports psychology fits into to sports now, you know? Because I mean, I think that's one of my favorite thing aspects about sports is this idea of like having the clutch gene, and that's one of the main criticisms against LeBron. You know, it's like, oh, he's a great player, but you know, he's not clutch like Mike, you know, or Kobe. You know, he's not a finisher. You know, <laughs> like that. That's that's one of the things that they they say about him. And you know, you you wonder if it's like a psychological thing too, because like you know, he there's definitely. I remember a lot of games where he's missed crucial free throws that either to tie it or to win it. You know, and like yeah, that's that's definitely a thing. And um, uh, yeah, with me, like, I, it it's a it's a weird thing because, I mean, growing up in you know in the philippines like all the basketball teams are are in manila (laughs) so it's like and they're all named after like uh corporations you know their sponsors so it's like i really didn't have any kind of hometown Mm -hmm. pride uh which i think is so embedded in a lot of american sports so like when people ask me like what what are my my teams and i name all these teams that are from different parts of the states they're like how is that possible like did you ever live there? <laughs> it's like no, it's just like right. I choose yeah. to be fans of these sports uh these teams and I I gravitate towards teams that are like uh 
they're kind of underdogs and like, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm about to give up on the Oakland days. I mean, I just, I think they've just been so bad. Yeah. And like, uh, I, I, I don't think I can really support that team with, uh, Lou Wolf as the owner, like until he dies yeah. or like sells the team. Um, I, I can't yeah. support that team, but, but yeah, I, I definitely get affected by, by the teams too, even though I don't know the players or they don't know I exist. You know, it, it it's just the the drama of it. Like, you know, I I always love close games. Like, I live for that. I mean, I I play sports video games, which I mentioned. So that's that's also part of it. Like, I love like being down two points or or uh, three points, and then you know hitting the clutch shot. You know, <laughs> with the tying seconds. Like that. That's <laughs> those are my favorite moments. And by the way, also in NBA Two K, I always make the Lakers the villain team. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> so so there's a thing you can do in 2K where you can override the trades, you know? So I always like try to trade all the like the superstar players to the Lakers. <laughs> try even though That's like they're funny. over the cap and all of that shit, like I don't care like they pay the luxury tax whatever that bullshit. You know? <laughs> I always think the Lakers the villain team. Like I always try to make them, you know, relevant. Like even after like LeBron retires, like I start adding like um uh, Donovan Mitchell or somebody like that in order to make Jeez, yeah, yeah to keep them the villain you know so um but yeah like uh yeah there's something about it it's just uh I mean I I, I don't let sports affect me as much as it, I used to like I, I mean hockey is the sport that I watched the most and there were times where the Ducks would lose and that would like ruin my day you know, it's like, yeah. or like I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't open any of the websites, you know, related to sports for, for the rest of the day because I didn't want to follow it. But I kind of like separated myself from that. And, you know, it, it's interesting to like tie that to to movies and sports movies because it's just like there's definitely certain sports that just lend themselves to movies. Like, you know, obviously boxing and baseball probably are the most prominent, you know, I guess maybe because mm -hmm. you can you have more control over it. There's a lot more like stoppages and boxing, you know, because there's just two people you can like maneuver the camera around. Um, but yeah, it's just um, something about it. I mean, you know, the way freaking shoots the, the basketball scenes in, in this movie, do you guys know about how they did the, the Indiana game, the climactic Indiana game? No. Um, so they actually played for real. <laughs> they played two games. Oh, and they shot with five cameras. And yeah, this is the thing. It's like, this is Friedkin's first sports movie. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jade. Yeah, it is, right? So he's never had experience doing it, but he shoots it like an action sequence. You know, <laughs> like that, that's, that's how he does it, you know? And, um, and it was against Indiana and Bobby Knight. And apparently, like, uh, uh, Bobby Knight, they couldn't use a lot of his dialogue because, uh, he was cursing too much. <laughs> And I guess they were like contracted to deliver a PG thirteen movie. I mean, that that's another okay. amazing thing. Like we remember how intense Nick Nolte's performance is, but he he doesn't do any hard cursing at all. It's like goddamn at the yeah. most, you know, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but he, yeah, no, no f bombs. <laughs> um, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. So the the Indiana game, uh, they lost. They in real life, they they lost both games. Uh, but obviously, in 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 the movie, they made it seem like they they won with a, which you never see a buzzer beating, alley oop, alley oop. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's only one time I've actually seen that. I think in recent memory was uh the, the Phoenix Suns. Um, uh, they 
uh, actually in the finals mm-hmm. last year, uh, they went. I think they won the first game against the Bucks uh, on a on a buzzer beating alley oop. DeAndre Ayton like hit it. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, you rarely see that. <laughs> I mean, it's just cutting it too close. You you got to lay it up because you know it's always that that buzzer beater is always measured by when the time it leaves your hands. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I mean that that's a crazy thing. Like that's kind of presented as the climax of the movie, but um, the the real climax is what happens inside Pete Bell. You know that kind of realization that like, oh man, I've gone too far. I've bent my my principles so much that you know it's like, uh, how do I come yeah. back from this? And uh, yeah, that speech by Nolte, man. Is so good mm-hmm. that that press conference he delivers, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I also like the 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 thing. It, it wasn't in the same press conference the earlier one when he says, "Any questions, stupid or otherwise." <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and we haven't even highlighted some of the other performances. Uh, yeah, we um, Ed O'Neill as the journalist who kind of like catches on that something's up. With uh, and he doesn't even get to do his expose because you know <laughs> Nick Nolte admits it. And Ed O'Neill was already like uh, pretty big with um, Married with Children at that time, and he did this movie. Yeah, yeah. This is his heyday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's Re- really cool. Peak <laughs> Ed O'Neill. And then yeah, um, yeah uh, uh, Mary McDonnell, you know everybody's favorite trad wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. she always seems to be playing it, 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 a wife in movies. I feel like it's funny. Like the, the like when she came on the screen, my first thought was Patricia Heaton. I can see that. And then and then and then it was like, oh no no yeah yeah yeah. I know I know yeah. who this is. Yeah, because she was. But yeah, I, I just like associate her with like obviously uh, Grand Canyon, and then um, mm-hmm. the mom and Don, Donnie Darko as well. And I think her performance is not that different actually from the mom and Donnie Darko. Um, yeah, but yeah, like uh, you were saying, Jade, like yeah, there, there's a purpose to every scene that she's in, you know, because she yeah. figures into Nick Nolte's life, not just like from them, you know, being married, but also because she actually, uh, like uh, tutors the, um, the recruits that are having difficulty with their classes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like the fact that um, there's that scene where they go to that restaurant when, like, everything's just, like, popping and everything's great. And um, she just straight out says to him, like, did you, like, you know, do this? Like, what you shouldn't have been doing? He's like, no, I would I would never do that. And it's because she, like, she knows, like, she knows the game. She knows what they do to try and recruit these players. And she knows the finance that goes right. into it. Yet she also knows her husband or her ex-husband really well. So she's thinking, like, did he compromise his values for this? And so she straight out asks him. And I really love that scene. I think she's really yeah. great in that. And like, she does have every, like every scene she's in, she's like got that purpose. She, she doesn't like, she's not trying to play this stereotypical wife or ex-wife character. She's, she's hard as nails. I like her. Like, and I'm not much of like, when it comes to movies with, um, women that have kind of have that romance sort of um like that romantic lead even though she doesn't have a strong romantic lead in it i'm usually very like oh whatever <laughs> like I, I usually check out i'm usually like i've got no interest in what you have to say like i don't care but she was great 
I really dug her character in it. Right, yeah, she was awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I also want to highlight JT Walsh, one of the all-time Ooh. great movie villains. He's such <laughs> yeah. a prick. He's such and a prick. And what a name. Happy. <laughs> Happy. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. And yeah, R.I.P. JT Walsh, by the way. You know, um, so many memorable performances. Uh, Breakdown with Kurt Russell. Oh, I love yeah, and uh, did you guys ever see Red Rock West with Nick Cage? Oh my uh, god, you guys got to see this movie because uh, <laughs> it. I I think also John Dahl is like one of the more underrated directors from the '90s in terms of thrillers, and this was his first movie, and it's the type of movie where. Uh, it just kind of surprises you as it goes along. Like there's a lot of revelations with it, and yeah, JT Walsh is is brilliant in it. Yeah. Uh, any other performances you guys want to highlight? I mean, I just want to keep talking about Shaq. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I he mean, was amazing. I, yeah. So just um, just like um, so this movie came out ninety four. Right. So he he was drafted in ninety two. So he's on you know year year two or three at this point, and I it's just I can't believe how one how fast and quick he was you know when he was young um and still so gigantic and powerful but then also you know yeah between him and penny and you know and all the players that were shown in the movie he's by far the the most charismatic and it just so it's so crazy someone that big is like has the the most talent and has the most um charisma and has parlayed it into a 30-year career, and he's still around. He's still fun. He hasn't had any major mess-ups, you know, like or you know, cancellations or anything really wild in his life. You know, it's you know, he, he he's not perfect, but it's just I don't know. Just the fact that he's still around is is um and still operating at that top level. It's pretty amazing. Um, and it's just uh, so uh. I don't know. You just couldn't have predicted it. Yeah, I mean, he was like the final piece to solidify that uh, NBA on TNT crew. You know, like it's amazing that that's now his his staple. But that's the thing that I'm 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 just concerned about, like how a lot, I guess, with Twitter and social media is just like how there's also there's always a recency bias, and I think people tend to forget how good Shaq was, you know, and how dominant. He yeah. was, you know, and and also just to be able to do that because I mean, we see all these seven footers, even like Yao Ming, where it's just like they're just they can't carry the weight, and then you know it ends up with like knee and and foot issues, you know. But he carried yeah. that weight, like he's he was three hundred pounds and like <laughs> you know um, seven foot one, and just like you know, and yeah, the the quickness, the agility, like yeah, nobody could guard him. It was just crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's he's amazing. And then you know, just the impact. I remember when he came into the league, he quit. You know, a lot of people. He, he became their favorite player. And this is in an era where you still had, you know, where obviously Jordan was at his right. peak, and you had a lot of other teams. But Shaq just jumped to that top three, like almost immediately. And he had you know shoes, and he had 
almost an as iconic a, a silhouette image as, as oh, Jordan yeah, for at sure. that time. Like you know, yeah, yeah, that that hanging off the rim silhouette is incredible. Yeah, that dunk man <laughs> yeah. deal, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. And I mean, you know, one of my earliest memories of Shaq is him breaking the the backboard, yeah, <laughs> smashing the glass. Yep. Oh, nobody <laughs> broke more, yeah, paraphernalia at a NBA. Yeah. In, oh, you know, yeah. Just, and I mean, you know, shattering the glass, br- bringing down the whole <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> we would be remiss at mentioning that one of the great segments of the NBA on TNT crew is also the shacting a fool. Yeah. It's just such yeah. a great oh, yeah. segment. Oh, man. You know, yeah. It's just he, he has everything. You know, it's like the size, the charisma, the, the sense of humor is really key, too. Yeah. I mean, you know. Well, so, yeah. So at the end of the movie, you know, after Pete gives that speech in the locker room about how, you know, he's 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 disappointed, but, you know, he thinks that they played a great game. And he's walking in the hall and Sha- Shaq sticks his head out of the yeah. locker room and asks if, if he liked his spin move or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's so classic Shaq. Um, and you're kind of just left with, right, like, I like this guy. Yeah, that smile is everything. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, just what other kind of things that I note in the watching it. Um, oh, so you know, the, the con- kind of to contrast Shaq, you have Anthony Hardaway slash Penny Hardaway slash Butch mm-hmm. McRae. Um, you know, he was drafted the year after Shaq, and he was like her- again heralded maybe similar to like a young Ben Simmons as like, this is, this guy is the right. guy. And yeah. for the first chunk of years, he was amazing. Yeah. He, he really was like legit. Yeah, it seemed like he but, was like, the, and, and, and then I think injuries right. cut him, cut the career short. Is, is yeah. That right? Yeah. He was like yeah. basically um the next step in like the evolution of the point guard uh that, you know, yeah. magic established, you know, that he was kind of like, he he could pass. He was tall, you know, six seven, and then um, he could dunk, you know. So he could do all those yeah. things um, from the point guard position, which was rare at that time, you know. You, and, until you know, yeah. basically, we got LeBron years later. Um, but yeah, it was really one of those careers of like what could have been because of the injuries. But also, the other thing we should mention is that you know Shaq basically uh, left him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. Um, they made it all the way to the finals in in '95, which was a miraculous run with the Orlando Magic. But then they lost to the eventual. They were still the reigning champs at that time, the Houston Rockets. Those two mm-hmm. years that Jordan, uh, like, took off. Well, I think Jordan came back, but like it was like too late in that season. Yeah, it came way too late in the season. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um. Yeah. So the yeah. Magic beat them, and then they made it to the finals, and then like. Was it a year later? Shaq like be- becomes a free agent and he signs with the Lakers, and then goes yeah. on to win with them and Kobe. Um, and yeah, Penny's just kind of left in the dust. And you know, kind of coming full circle, he's now a, a college basketball coach himself for the same college that he played for, uh, Memphis. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's kind of sad. It's like you know, you hear these stories all the time of like you know. Uh, um, Pen- Penny Hardaway or like uh, Grant Hill or even I would say even Tracy McGrady that people have forgotten about them but they were some of my favorite players you know um, yeah and even uh, Penny Hardaway I was such a fan of his that I even had like a 
like it was a 12 inch figure of Lil Penny. I don't know if you guys remember those commercials <laughs> yeah. with Chris Rock. Little yeah, Penny, it was yeah. so good. Yeah. And yeah, like it would it, it was a talking doll. Like you, you know, you press a button on his back and he would spit out his cat oh catchphrases. Oh, it was so good. And yeah, his mouth actually moved too. Yeah. So <laughs> But yeah. Like I I will say as as far as his performance in the movie, um the the homesick portion, mm. you know, um I th- I thought you know for someone who who maybe doesn't he you know he certainly isn't as um, skilled and charismatic as Shaq, you know I thought he did a, a decent job in trying to you know emote some uh, some of those feelings, but I, I I was definitely a little confused by um, Nick Nolte's performance in that you know obviously he's feeling the stress of uh, how to admit uh, the benefits and he's trying to kind of dodge everything. Right. But then it doesn't feel like he like comforted it, or he didn't comfort Penny or Butch at all, um, which I thought was a little odd. You know, like like I thought that coach would try to help him not feel homesick. Instead, he just said, "You better be at practice on Monday." <laughs> that that was which the I, answer. I thought was a little cold. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I have something to to contribute to that from playing NBA Two K. So basically, in mm-hmm. NBA Two K. Oh, you have like meetings like that with players. You don't necessarily get a player saying that they're homesick, but they like talk to you about like, um, you know, getting more playing time, all these kinds of things. It's, it's a really funny mm-hmm. part of the game. So, um, oh, so you have to know basically whether the player, uh, responds better to like a, you know, a pat on the back or coddling or to tough love, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that's really what Pete Bell makes a call on is that you know this guy needs tough love you know if i if i coddle him that's gonna make him kind of you know want more sympathy and then you know kind of ask for more things so it's like Mm. uh, for him to give him that tough love of just like show up tomorrow like he understands that i think from his experience of being a coach you you understand like um what kind of um uh, encouragement a player needs you know um, so I, I feel like that that's the call that he makes at that point in time is just like I'm I'm giving him tough love with this, you know, but also okay. just showing him that I'm I'm you know I'm 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 making an effort to to like um uh, uh to to show you that okay I, at least I'll ask you know if <laughs> mm-hmm. but then you know here's your answer in a most indirect way show up for practice on one day yeah okay Good. all right so um Jade. Where do you think yeah. um, this fits in with William Friedkin's filmography? Are we, t- are we talking about yeah, Ryan King? or yeah? Is, is that what you're trying to? Um. Well, I mean, I think Cruising is still the best thing he's made. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> controversial. Opinion. Yeah, read Jade's um, uh, <laughs> article. By the way, we'll link to it in the the, the show notes. Uh, her article on, on Cruising is incredible. Even even William Friedkin posted it. Oh Countless wow! Times. There's yeah. your, there's your endorsement right cool. there. <laughs> and like go. he hates he hates a lot of critics, especially about cruising. Because when I did my research on it, the amount of people that say how bad the film is, like it's insane. Like I can't tell you how many reviews right. I read on it. And he doesn't like people's kind of interpretation on it. So I was really mm. careful when I was writing it what to put. And I actually even quoted um, some of the things he'd actually said about the film. Sure 
in the review so I was like going oh god if he doesn't say anything about this I'm gonna be so upset <laughs> and when I saw that he tweeted it out I started Amazing. to cry I was like oh my god Friedkin knows I'm alive <laughs> <laughs> um, but um but that's my favorite but um in terms of ranking like uh I'd probably say cruising French Connection and Sorcerer they're like stuck at two together sure. I can't ever decide um Ooh. I'd probably say Exorcist, then Blue Chips. Gotcha. So it's in the top five. It's in the top five. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. I'm in the minority with that. Everyone probably thinks that, like Exorcist <laughs> is the best thing we've made. No, yeah. Actually, I, I, I rank yeah. Exorcist a lot lower myself. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, okay. I, I would say it's top five for me, too. Um, how about you, Steve? I haven't seen a, enough of these. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at. at the list so i would put exorcist of the ones i've seen exorcist is is my favorite but yeah but i just haven't seen sorcerer and i haven't okay. seen well Cruiser. it so, seems yeah. like yeah it, it seems like we might have to do an episode but the the thing was the reason why i invited jade for this episode and not for cruising even though we, now i'm thinking we should is because i just find it so <laughs> hard to top uh have Jade, did you ever listen to the the cruising episode of um the projection booth? Oh no, man, it's just so thorough, and I actually think they they interviewed um I can't remember if they interviewed freaking directly for it. Oh no no, what happened was um they were interviewing him for another movie, and they just happened to touch up on cruising because apparently he won't talk about it directly. You know, yeah. So oh, okay. um, uh, so basically. Uh, they they managed to touch up on it, but yeah, there there were just certain things he wouldn't talk about, you know. But um, but it's it's such an in depth like podcast on on cruising. Like I I, I always just think like what else could I talk about, you know, in regards to. Oh, dude, we can do it. Okay, we'll do a five-hour one. I can, I can talk about... Seriously, I can talk about cruising yeah. all day. Like, I even watched, like, the commentary on the film mm-hmm. on the Blu-ray because Arrow Video released it, and, oh, the remaster on it is, yeah. like, spectacular. But there's two audio commentaries. There's one with just William Friedkin by himself, Fantastic. and he's just giving the facts, and it's so interesting. Like, every time I watch it, which is a lot, I always pick mm-hmm. up something new. And then he does another commentary with um, that... British uh, film critic oh, yeah. Mark Kermode and it's so good listening to how they interact because Kermode keeps trying to ask certain questions in it and like Freakin's like no it's not about that <laughs> like, it just like shoots him down and there's like a scene at the end where it's very, it's very ambiguous and what Freakin has always said about um, the film especially the ending it, it brings up more questions than right. it does answers so Kermode's like so so this scene is meant to symbolise this and he's like nah no. yeah like just completely shuts him down so it's worth just watching right. it for the commentary yeah as well. it's so it's funny so because uh, well two things about that is like kermode is like freaking's biggest fan because you know the uh, yeah. he he was championing the exorcist for because for a long time the exorcist was actually banned in england yeah so he was, was like rallying was, from yeah. it and i think I, even before i saw the movie like i saw kermode's documentary on the exorcist first um, and then yeah. eventually they collaborated together, uh, which is, I think, uh, Freakin's last movie. He hasn't made anything since um, the, what is it? The Devil and Fa- Father Amorth? Is that how it even? I saw that, And it's a that, documentary, yeah, right? That. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they collaborated yeah. on that, and then you know this isn't the first time that Kermode's like been owned by a filmmaker <laughs> in terms of him asking. Like famously, like it's been memed, like the you know the David Lynch interview <laughs> where he's yeah. oh yeah yeah where Same David man. Lynch just says no <laughs> yeah no. yeah and, and that, that's the thing with Kerm- not Kermode sorry um Friedkin is just like he's he's a very direct guy in like every aspect especially when it comes to his directorial mm. style so when someone tries to tell you like hey your film symbolizes this is like no it doesn't <laughs> like it's just like what are you talking about you know if it, he'll say if it's going to be ambiguous but he's very just to the core like very like he's a straight shooter and i feel when you watch like any of his films especially cruising it's just like what you see is what right. you get with it and I think there's not, like I said, there's not none of this bells and whistles bullshit. And that's what makes him so good. And like, yeah, sure, like every director, they always have like their dry spells of like having um, amazing films. Like they'll go through a run where they'll have like three amazing films and then they'll just kind of go, oh, I'm making this passion project and it'll flop or whatever. But the one thing I'll say is like he pretty much stands behind most of what he's right. made. And cruising, I think he does genuinely love the the end um result of that but he's even said like maybe um the time that i filmed it which was 1980 uh wasn't probably the best time to have filmed it especially at that time when there was all the murders of like uh gay men in new york and san francisco and all that kind of stuff and um he said also with the AIDS right. epidemic, you know, that on the rise is like maybe it wasn't the best foot forward. But I think, personally for me, I think it it still stands. Like it's still really good. It still holds up. And I think more and more people are like starting to like it, especially now that Arrow released a really good copy of it because before it was just a really shit <laughs> DVD version where you could right. barely see anything. It was so dark. It was terrible. Yeah, I, I got to get a copy really of this. Bad. I mean, I love Arrow. Like, I actually feel now like Arrow's, like, too. surpassed Criterion, you know, in terms of just the range of their library and the, the quality of the special features. Yeah. Like, I think actually Criterion's kind of been skimping a lot on on some of their uh, their titles like the, you don't get as many special features as you used to and i i just lapped that up you know especially commentaries yeah. oh, I do too. <laughs> so yeah oh yeah i'm all about yeah, that yeah all about yeah so i would love to to hear the the friedkin commentary so yeah we'll definitely have to have you back because i would say probably cruising is it if it, it, it flutters between two and three for me like my number one freaking movie is is mm-hmm. sorcerer like that's yeah, that's, that, so that's my favorite freaking oh. movie. Yeah, and uh, I think it it so much of it has to do with the the prologue of just like you know yeah. it uh, it really establishes something for me where I'm just like okay here we go <laughs> like this is the movie for me you know um, and yeah we can we can get into that too in on another episode again you might actually even be like our our resident uh, freaking guest. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. We'll do fine. Seriously, even if you want to watch, even if you want to. Watch oh yeah, Kate, yeah, J we'll two. Okay, so yeah, we'll we'll definitely have you back. Yeah, your namesake cool. for that. All right. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, do we have any other like uh, remaining thoughts on blue chips? It was good. <laughs> that, that's yeah. all I have. <laughs> I, th- I thought I thought it it it, it was a uh, it was a nice it was definitely a good rewatch to get refreshed and to kind of see just how uh, 
Yeah, just how good the basketball playing was. I think you commented mm-hmm. on it, and, yeah. and so it helps to know that they actually played real yeah, games. Yeah, and I mean that I was like, I was like, well, I was like, wow, this actually looks, you know, because I'm used to like the way they play in like Teen Wolf, <laughs> where they're just like they're they're dribbling like very poorly, and all the jump shots are awful. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it was yeah, good I basketball. Mean, the two factors that definitely helped in that was that. Friedkin was insistent on casting real players, you know, um, and then the, yeah. the other factor was that Friedkin himself was a basketball player, and I think Ron Shelton was as well, so they definitely had more of an insider's understanding of the game than somebody, I don't even remember who directed Teen yeah. Wolf, but yeah. <laughs> you wonder if they ever picked up a basketball. Um, yeah, I, I just want to add two more things. Like I learned, um, like just in my research from this movie that did you guys know that Michael Mann sued, uh, William Friedkin for, um, yeah, for, um, plagiarizing Miami Vice (laughs) for, um, to live and die in LA. Yeah. But just to show that it wasn't personal because, uh, Michael Mann lost the lawsuit, by the way, he asked (laughs) William Friedkin to play Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter. (laughs) Yeah, and then like William Friedkin was like, "What? You're crazy!" And he's like, "No, you're exactly what I'm looking for to play the role." <laughs> that's weird. that's awesome. That would have been yeah, so right? cool. Imagine, uh, yeah. Because oh, I, I love yeah. Manhunter. So yeah, exactly. I mean, I love Brian Cox's performance as Lecter, but man, yeah, imagine oh, William yeah. Friedkin. I mean, I would they even let him wear his like tinted his signature tinted glasses? You know? Oh man. Um. Yeah, that would have been wild, you know, if only. Um, and another thing I want to mention is that there was actually a rap album that was inspired by this movie, at least the title, Blue Chips. And it's called Blue Chips, and it's by Action Bronson and Party Supplies, and it's fantastic. Like, it, it's actually considered to be a mixtape, not really an album, which is weird. But, yeah, if you guys haven't listened to it, I don't know if you're, you're into rap, but, um, yeah, it, it, it's a great um, album inspired by the movie. Um yeah. So Jade, are you like looking forward to any movies coming out or you planning on watching anything soon? Um, well, I won't lie. I'm like I live okay. in my bubble. So I don't really watch too many new things, but I will say I did see the trailer for the new oh, yeah. film. Yeah. And I was intrigued because like when the last one came out, I was like, yeah, yeah, like whatever i watched it and i i didn't really think much of it and i was like oh i just it's so hard to recapture like the essence of the first and i even like predator yeah same but that's again (laughs) i'm in i'm in the minority of that one but i really enjoyed that sequel but um yeah i'm actually quite intrigued with that because i feel they've gone a different avenue and haven't tried to rehash the same thing Mm -hmm. and if as long as they i mean they're keeping it in the same universe by the sounds of it and there's going to be predators in it, so like, fuck yeah, right. like, I'll watch it. Like, I'm all cool for that. Like, that's fine. So, I, yeah, I th- I'm looking forward to that. Um, I don't think there's anything else that's like even been on my radar at all. I have no idea what's coming out. Like, because all I ever see in Australia, because we don't really get, we haven't got like the amount of cine- um, cine- cinemas that you guys have got in the states. Mm. So we don't get half of what you gotcha. guys get. Like, damn. We get a fraction, or we get superhero films, which, ugh, yeah. yeah, so done with that. Oh, I forgot to ask. <laughs> uh, I guess I kind of asked earlier, but I did get an answer, Jade. But um, mm. uh, so what have you seen recently that like would you say like are highlights that have been really good? 
in terms of new films or, or just no just like from your your marathons that you've been doing <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, Jesus, now I have to go on my Twitter and look because I've watched so much because yeah. I just I just watch so many movies. Um, actually, yesterday I watched for the first time uh, Company of Wolves. I've never seen it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was pretty good. Like, I liked, uh, it was kind of like that sort of Red Riding Hood sort of mythology right. and all that kind of stuff. I really dug it. Um, it was a little bit slow in parts. Right. Um, but the transformation scenes were very cool. Like, it wasn't to the par of American Werewolf in London, but I liked that. Um, I also watched another film yesterday for the first time. It got panned when it came out. Uh, it was called The Snowman. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> no, I haven't. But I, I oh. definitely saw the trailer for it. Well, yeah, because that's why I wanted to watch it years yeah. ago, and I just I just forgot about it. And I remember the reviews are like, this is shit, like, don't watch this movie. <laughs> And so I was like, oh, it's on Prime now for free. Fuck it, I'll give it a go. And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, like, it's good. Like, it's entertaining enough. Like, I, I didn't look at my phone the entire time when I was watching it. I was like, oh, this is actually It's a good right. indicator. Yeah, yeah it's, it's messy. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things they could have done which they just kind of left in the air. And you're like, you could have fleshed this out. It would have been so much more interesting. But... Yeah, it was actually okay. I'd give it like two point five out of five. It's it's better than some of the more recent stuff like I've seen. So okay, um, mm. yeah, sweet. I mean, yeah, I, I I'm just amazed at your capacity for what you're able to watch, and also the dreck that you're able to watch too is oh, is incredible. Dude. And, dude, like, yeah, go on. No, I'm just thinking. Like, I I think I remember you posting. It's like, you know, the the filthier the grimier the trashier the better what's <laughs> <laughs> true like i i'm very honest about what i watch and like i think what's really helped over the years because I, I i've always like loved b grade and mm-hmm. that's kind of started with watching like b grade american martial art films right and i kind of went from there but a couple of years ago me and one of my best friends we did a challenge called uh 500 movies in 500 days wow which we which we stole from this um adult swim show called on cinema at the cinema which is oh, yeah. tim heidecker in it <laughs> and um greg turkington does his 500 movies in 500 days and we just made a joke and we should do that <laughs> so we did and i think um because we i think i hit my target in june and the the end um the end date was like november 26 so i think i got done like 730 films Whoa. In 500 days. Uh, the most amount of films I watched in a weekend was, I think, 21 movies. Oh, wow. So yeah. you didn't sleep at all? No. no sleep. Like, as soon as I had my days off back then, which was Friday and Saturday, like, I'd be getting up at 6 a.m. and ready to start. <laughs> like, I was like, all right, let's put on this movie. So I would, at, at first, what I was doing was trying to find films that I'd never seen before or films that I'd watched years and years ago that I couldn't remember. So I started off doing that. And we, you couldn't count. Um, so, say for example, if I watched Karate Kid like five times, I couldn't count that. I couldn't yeah. count it once. Right. Um, so, and I just got Amazon Prime at the time. So <laughs> I was like, oh my god, there's all this like erotic thrillers from the '90s. So I went like ham on that kind of stuff, and then trying to nice. try to track down like really bad sequels of films. Like I watched all of the Hellraiser films. Oh my god. Yeah. I do not. Like I do not recommend doing that. Like, cause the first, like I love one to three, cause three is like the action movie version of it all. Okay. And then four, I'm like, yeah, yeah it's okay. And then it just gets worse and worse and yeah. worse. How many and Hellraiser like, movies are there? 
I was there like eight. eight oh my nine. god! Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I remember really liking two. Oh, two's two is awesome. Really good. Two is awesome. Which yeah. one's the one um, with Terry Farrell? Is is that the second one or the third one? I can't even know. I don't even know who that is. Oh, she's the one who I'll plays. Know the, I'll know uh, the face. Jetsia Dax from uh from Deep Space Nine. That's what I remember from Best. Uh, I don't but watch yeah, Deep Space Nine. Uh, okay, but yeah, she was definitely in one of the Hellraiser movies. I can't. I can't remember. Oh, oh she's in three. three. Yeah, she's in three. 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 Yeah, yeah. She's I, I, I realized who you were talking about. That it's like clicked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, three. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just watched a whole bunch of crap like that. And have you guys um, watched? Have you guys got the streaming service uh, Tubi in the states? Like, do you? Oh yeah, yeah, I have just signed up, and I am. I found <laughs> my favorite episode of Blossom on Tubi. <laughs> fantastic! Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm oh yeah, it's fantastic. Like, uh, I actually think that it's better than Netflix. Like, and it's free, oh, it which is. is I got. I got rid of Netflix. Yeah, you I don't need Netflix. That. Yeah. <laughs> It's shit. Yeah. Like my algorithm was never changing. Like my algorithm stayed the same for two years, oh, and wow. no matter what I watched, it just kept recommending me the same films that I'd already seen on that platform. Oh, man. And, like, and I'm like, what the fuck? And it kept the price just kept rising in Australia. Right. Like it, it like last year it rose twice, and I was like, nah, fuck this. Like I'm sick of the shit. So I literally just watched Prime and Tubi. Yeah, I mean, Tubi mm-hmm. actually allows me to watch uh, the Australian version of Lego Masters, which I think is the original. <laughs> And it's great. Sweet. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't care for the ads. It's fine. You know, I, I mean, we're probably all three of us were raised on that generation of watching movies on TV. Yeah. So we're used work. to commercials, you know. It's like one I can wait 15 seconds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, um, even Steve, the movie we discussed last episode, um, uh, Secret Admired, didn't we watch it on Tubi? I watched it on YouTube, but I think... Oh, I yeah, yeah, it was, it was on Tubi, on, so that's how I watch it. Tubi. Yeah, that's how I watched it, so Sweet. yeah, it, it's great. Um, And with Prime, like, yeah, I, I, I've, I've definitely been using it a lot more. My only complaint about Prime, and I don't know if this is an issue with you, Jade, in Australia, but mm-hmm. over here, what tends to happen is, like, you know, movies expire, and... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then they don't... Well, sometimes they warn you, sometimes they don't, but what happens is, like, they'll have multiple copies of the title... So there'll be that copy where you have to pay for it, and then there'll be one that's like the yeah. Prime version, and it's yeah. so annoying. So like, I'll have a watch list where basically I have like two copies of like, say, River's Edge, like, you know, <laughs> one is the Prime copy, and then one is the one you have to pay for, and it's just like, why not just separate those two things? Like, can I just have like, you know, uh, the Prime copy, and like, I don't want to see the the one I have to pay for. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and they and they and they get yeah. like, what I've noticed as well because I've on my list I had a whole bunch of Shaw Brothers stuff that I hadn't seen. Oh right, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They had a heap on there, yeah. and I was like going through all of those, and then they just took them all off, and I'm like, you fucking pricks. Yeah. And then all what they'll do is I'll have stuff that I know that was on my list and it was on like for free, oh, yeah. and then they'll be like, oh, you can pay four ninety nine for this. I'm like, I'm not paying four ninety nine for some erotic <laughs> thriller from the nineties. Get fucked. Right. <laughs> So yeah, and I'm like, no, I'll go to YouTube and see what's on there. And yeah, it's usually on YouTube. and the quality is variable, by the way. Sometimes these yeah. are not like full HD titles. Sometimes they're like upscaled, like just they're still like oh, SD titles, it, it, and it's just like, come on, man. Yeah, you know? it, it's really annoying. Like, and that's what like that's the thing that's been annoying me a lot with Prime because every time I go on there and I'm like, oh yeah, that looks good. I'll, I'll maybe I'll put that on. It's like, 
would you like to pay for this? It's like, no, I don't want to pay for it. Like, I'm, I'm already paying for this every month. Like, uh, they've just taken so much from the back catalogue. Right. I don't know if you guys have got this in the States now on your Prime, but in Australia, um, all different streaming services are on Prime. So you can access Shudder and right. Paramount Plus and uh, a few other Showtime, ones. Showtime, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So what they've done is stuff that I know that was on my watch list for free is now part of the new MGM oh. streaming service. And I'm like, yeah. Tricks. <laughs> yeah, Steve, yeah, Steve and I were actually talking about this recently, like through text because, um, uh, he got, um, Paramount plus and he shared it with me. And like, um, uh, we, we were just talking about like some Paramount titles, uh, like naked gun and it's not on Paramount plus. It's like, yeah, it's like what is Paramount yeah. doing with like the licensing of their own titles? Like these should be like your, you know, your biggest sellers, and like totally. yeah, they're just relying on, I guess, the Mission Impossible movies, <laughs> and which then, are good by the way. Yeah, exactly. But still, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like have more Paramount movies because yeah, they have such a rich library. I mean, yeah, Blue Chips is 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 part of Paramount. Um, yeah. so yeah, I'll, and b- before I forget, I just remember this. Jade, have you seen the trailer for the new Monsters movie? No, that's what I was meant to do last night, and I forgot because I was messing around with this damn microphone. Oh, man. Dude, it took me like two and a half hours just to get the microphone to work. Did you see the, the original teaser, though, before that? Yeah, I did see the teaser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was intrigued by the original teaser. I mean, how do you feel about Rob Zombie? Um, I really like Devil's Rejects. Because that's very much got that sort of like seventies grindhouse sort of thing. Everything's relentless in that, so I love gotcha. that. His Halloween films, eh, I don't really give a shit. I'm not a huge Halloween fan. Like in terms of Halloween movies, I like number three. I couldn't, I can't stand Mike Myers. Like that whole thing, not, <laughs> right. not, it's not my thing. Mm. Um, so I wasn't really fussed by that. Um, what else did he do? House of Thousand Corpses. Right there. Yeah. Pardon. <laughs> That's a hot take. Scott take. Yeah. Oh, 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 sorry. We, we call yeah. it Scott take because uh, of my friend uh, Scott Thoreau because he, you know, he he has some hot takes and uh, we call okay. it Scott takes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mean to have hot takes because I'm not someone that will be like, oh, you know how you've gone to Twitter and someone always has a hot take about yeah, something exactly. just for the sake of it. I'm not right. like that guy. Like, Intentionally. Yeah, yeah. Like I genuinely yeah. do prefer Halloween 3 over any of the other yeah. ones. Mm. Um, but back to Rob Zombie, like I do like how a thousand corpses but other than that like he's okay yeah he's, he's all right well yeah i'm yeah. i'm a fan of rob zombie the musician <laughs> um okay. as a yeah. director sure. i'm not so sure i mean i like him in interviews too like you know he was on joe rogan that was a good interview yeah. i saw that yeah yeah, yeah. and then um yeah. uh even like interviews he's done in, in magazines like of just like his his background growing up with his brother who was he's mm-hmm. also in a, a band called the Power Man Five Thousand, which I also enjoy. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, like he, he, I remember like one of his memories that he talks about that I think really shaped him was that um, uh, that he actually saw somebody who had like gotten stabbed, like running down the street, like just holding their guts and just like screaming, and he was like, <laughs> "Yeah, this is like something straight out of a David Lynch movie," you know. Mm. But yeah, I yeah. I think it was a natural progression for him to become a director because I think he directed uh, most of the White Zombie and his own music videos too. And I mean, yeah, oh. I I love yeah. his solo work too. Hellbilly Deluxe is one of my favorite albums. I have it on vinyl. Um, yeah. But I I don't know. I I 
I have mixed feelings about his movies. You know, uh, I, I've been told to watch Lords of Salem. Um, a lot of people seem to, to come to bat mm. for that movie, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I love that like he casts Sid Haig in House of a Thousand Corpses yeah. and in um, uh, yeah. uh, in Devil's Rejects. Um, mm. uh, and oh, by the way, that's another awesome article you you've written, Jade, about um, Jackie Brown. Uh, I wanted to highlight that, that too, because <laughs> Sid Haig oh. is in it. Yeah, yeah he has yeah. a brief he appearance is, as the is. judge. Well, he's actually in one of her films, uh, Coffee. Yeah, he's in that. And like, because I remember watching, going, "That looks like Captain Spaulding." <laughs> like, looked on the IMDb, like, "Holy shit, it is!" So, I love that kind of full circle sort of thing. But in Coffee, yeah. he's he's like um, a bad guy crony kind of thing, and in that, he's a judge. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, and R.I.P. Like he passed away a few years ago. Mm. Um, but yeah, like uh, this Mon- Monsters trailer, man. So okay, uh, have you seen it, Steve? Uh, no, I'm in. I'm in that same same camp as Jade. I, I like saved it in my algorithm to watch later, and then just have. All right. Got there. Well, you guys need to report back to me after you've seen it. But I'll I'll just say okay. um, I don't know. Like uh, I was really looking forward to it in the from the teaser but after seeing this trailer uh i just don't know like um it's just really strange to me that this is like uh you know firstly it's it's rob zombie's first pg rated movie (laughs) yeah really strange and then like he's supposed to have like the full backing of universal because i mean you know it's a universal property all of these things but i don't know just something about it that it just um it just looks really bad. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Well, it, it 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 it's funny. Like, I don't quite understand his the the full trajectory of his career in film. Other than I think, you know, I think House of a Thousand Corpses was just kind of a passion project of his. Yeah. Is that like, like like he just made the kind of movie he liked and wanted to make, and then it was just it, like. I feel like the level of success and the level of um, the of the public audience that he's exposed to isn't what he was even shooting for or really should be after. Like he's like he's very he's 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 an artist, you know. He's like he's his own yeah. aesthetic, he's his own thing. And but enough, there, but there was enough heat on House of a Thousand Corpses that it, like it broke through in a way that maybe it like it was it, it would have been better if each of these movies was another, just like out of nowhere like hit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I remember just so yeah, the, the hype surrounding House of a Thousand Corpses. Like yeah. I was really looking forward to it because you know just him talking about it and you know I I clearly wanted to see a movie directed by him. You know, but um, yeah. I think really my main issues with his movies is that he's limited in the way that he isn't with his music where he's he's mm. given a lot more leeway whereas like he has to satisfy certain expectations of movies that you know it's mm. it can't be too experimental it can't be too even though you know he's a fan of these like grimy you know grindhouse movies like they're uh-huh. they're not quite the same like the he's still like obligated to kind of deliver something that's a little kind of um it has to be more coherent in a way you know 
Yeah, and I think, yeah. and I also think, in terms of like pleasing like the companies and like the districts, right. he's also got to please a lot of the horror community because I have to say, as someone who's part of it, they're the most toxic fandom outside of Star Wars. Oh yeah. So you can, yeah, so you can never, you can never please them, and 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 that's the thing, like especially when he did the Halloween movies, they're like, oh my god, like you know, this is just an abortion of a film, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think that. Because he struck gold, I think, with House of a Thousand Corpses. I mean, that that poster when that came out, I remember seeing that in one of like the music magazines. I think I was reading Kerrang! or something like that, and I saw yeah. it in that. And I was like, holy shit, that, lo- that looks awesome. What is this? Who the hell's Rob Zombie? Yeah. I didn't really know much about him. So I was like, oh, cool. I, I want to watch that. And when I did see it, I was like, holy shit, this is great. But the problem, though, when you become, like, I guess, not not like more famous or more successful, but there is that kind of line you start to have to toe and not just trying to please like, you know, big companies, but you have to try and please the fans because they're so used to getting Friday the 13th, Halloween's, Child's Play, uh, to an extent, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. Um, they're, they're used to these big, um, these box office draws, you know, like pretty much the whole horror community is like built like i say like modern horror communities probably built on like you know the friday the 13th the nightmare on elm streets those kind of things right and i think when people think of horror they think of these um these titles and these um big conglomerate like franchises because they're 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 so like wealthy they're worth freaking millions right so then when he comes out with something like devil's rejects like i remember when that came out people were like this is atrocious, this is bad, this, because it's just not what people are used to with with horror, because it has more of that dirty, grimy, grindhouse feel, and I think with modern day horror, they want something a little bit more slick, I mean, that's why they keep making Halloween films, you know, yeah, now that's why they keep making them. Who's handling them now? Uh, um, David Gordon Green? Green. (laughs) Gordon Green, yeah. Um, didn't you say, Steve, you were looking forward to the trailer for the, the new Halloween? Yeah. Yeah, I saw Jamie Lee Curtis. She tweeted, I think, 7.20. So I think the trailer is going to come out in a week. And I'm guessing it's going to come out during also... Um, the tr- It's going to be a trailer for right. Nope when Nope's in, in theater next week. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. I didn't like Halloween Kills. I don't think a lot of <laughs> yeah. people did. I didn't see it. Um, yeah, I haven't. I haven't watched any of them. Yeah, I've only seen the first John Carpenter Halloween. That's it. I mean, it's really all you need because everyone after that undercuts the, the the ending of the first one. Right. The, the you know like like the the first one ends perfect, and then by having any kind of sequel, it kind of makes the first one worse. Yeah. The way. only thing that that makes me happy with every new Halloween movie is that. I know that the John Carpenter's cashing a new check. That's really it. Yeah. yeah. So good for him. So um yeah. so Jade, like being part of this mm. horror community, like how yeah. do you feel with like these relentless like remakes and sequels, you know, that are coming out? I mean, to be honest, I I don't really care so much anymore as I've gotten older, I've just kind of gone out whatever like if you want to keep making them, keep making them. Like I'm I'm less salty about it, but the one thing I will say is that there is so much original horror that could be made out there. Like, have you guys seen The Void? No. What is that? Oh, all right. You need to watch that. It's a Canadian horror film. I think okay. it was crowdfunded was that one. Oh, wow. But that's, yeah, but it's insanely good. And 
I like I, I like independent films, like especially horror, because it, most of it works on practical effects, right. uh, which I think is an art form that's kind of lost. Even in like modern day slashes, I feel they kind of go, let's CGI, you know, like let's do that instead, you know, because it's easier for them, even though it costs more. Um, but I do think that these kind of films overshadow some really, really good independent horror films that could be made. Like, I'm sick of like seeing remakes. Like, like when they did Black Christmas for the second time, it's like you should have just left it. Yeah, right. You should have just left it alone because the first time they did it was like it was just terrible. It was like through that phase, like in the the mid 2000s, like 2005, 2006, where everyone was like, oh, we'll have to remake Black Christmas and House on Sorority Row and you know Prom Night. It just gets a, a little bit, you know. I don't know, wishy-washy. It's like, oh, you're just making another sequel and you're rehashing the same stuff, but now they're kind of trying to manipulate the audience a little bit by going, okay, so we're going to bring an old horror film and make it about, like, new generations, but it just falls flat. That's why Black Christmas sucked. Like, did you see that? <laughs> no, I did didn't. No, I didn't. Is no. this the, the I, feminist version I, of it you're talking oh, about? Oh, fuck. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I actually, because I did have a podcast up until a year ago, and my my followers were like, "Can you do a podcast of this and drink while you while you talk about it?" I'm like, oh god, I don't know if you want that. <laughs> so I got up early and I and I started drinking uh, the whiskey, and I'm just like, <laughs> "Fuck, this is so shit! Like, it's terrible. It's just every hashtag movement that you see on Twitter. Oh my god, in a film." Yeah. And. I was just sitting there going, I just don't know how people can like this. And everyone was saying, oh, this is the film every 16-year-old girl needed. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, as, a, as a former 16-year-old yeah. girl, I can tell you, it's not. It's terrible. It's just no. very much like um, they're kind of just pleasing one sort of crowd. And I understand that um, film is inclusive, but film isn't for everyone. Right. But it's like, dude, you're riding on the coattails of something that was so scary. And like, what was it? 1974. I think the original came out. Right. It's like, why would you try to do it? The first time it got remade, it, it flopped. Just, just leave it. Yeah. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Um, make something mm. original. And that's the thing. Like, you know, when people start coming after, you know, Twitter users going, oh, you just don't like female led films. Like, no, that's not what it is. <laughs> it's just, I want something original. That's what I want. Right. Yeah. And it's just like the, the whole thing of like, um, you know, creators turning on fans, you know, when, when oh, these movies God. don't like make any money or like are critically yeah. panned or like, you know, the whole ratio with, uh, with um, Rotten Tomatoes, you know, with the fans and then the oh, critics thing, you know, it's like... Oh, fuck Rotten Tomatoes, hey. Yeah. <laughs> fuck those guys. Yeah. They got no idea. Yeah, and, and like, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's... it's I, I think it, it's not even an issue in horror. Like, it, it's with a lot of these, like, legacies mm. and franchises now where they're basically, like, getting people who um, who kind of miss the point with the, with the originals. Yeah. yeah, like especially with I guess when you use the genre of horror, like many a politically correct horror film just doesn't work. Yeah, it just like no, and it doesn't. And the thing is, as well with horror, like horror has always had that political sort of nuance to it, mm -hmm. which is why it works when it's nuanced. Right. I don't. I don't think it should be shoved in the face at the detriment of the storyline and the character arcs. Be I mean, like I know that for the most part. Look, there's a lot of slashes out there that are just slashes and nothing more, nothing less, and that's fine because they know exactly what they are and they are self-aware. Mm. But if you are talking about like 
like the original Black Christmas, they do um, bring up the discussion of abortion in that. But again, it's it's very subtle. It's not like every two seconds, let's talk about this main character trying to potentially have an abortion. You know, it's not it's not at the detriment of being scared and being completely like in this like tense mode where you can't look away from the screen to the point where your skin is crawling because of how creepy it is. Now it's not about that. It's more about, okay, we have to make sure that we hit all these sort of uh, benchmarks. <laughs> yeah. Like we've got to put this in, tick we've got to say boxes. this, we've got to do this, we've got to tick the box because if we don't tick the boxes, we're going to get cancelled or we're going to get told this film isn't inclusive or it doesn't include this. It's like, look, like I've always said, films are inclusive. They're just not for everyone. I would never go to the cinema, watch a chick flick and go, well, that was shit. Like <laughs> they should have like accommodated to my taste. Right. No, it's a chick flick. It's not meant to be for me. Yeah. And that's fine. And that's again with horror, like not every aspect of horror is going to be for everyone. Like the thing I hate at the moment, which I keep seeing on Twitter, elevated horror. Oh yeah. I was going to ask you about that. So what about elevated horror? <laughs> So I didn't actually know what it was until like two weeks ago. Oh wow, that so recent. I kept, so yeah, yeah, that recent. I'm I'm a real noob on the on the topic, but someone had brought up elevated horror, and I'm like, what is this? Like, did I just get defrosted and I've just heard about this? Like, what is this elevated horror thing? And they're like, oh, it's any of those movies that are distributed by like A24. 24, oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so what do they do? So I looked at their back catalog and I had seen Green Room, which I actually didn't mind. Um, yeah. Would, would I call that a horror film? No, I wouldn't. But that's just mm. me. But then they were talking about like Midsummer, like, oh, Midsummer, like, <laughs> oh. Because everyone, when that came out, everyone on Twitter was like, this film's magnificent. And like, great. It's like more of an independent film. Gotcha. But that was two and a half hours long. And that wasn't even the director's cut that I watched. Yeah, the director's cut was three hours. And I've watched both, by the way. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> I watched it during, so I watched it during lockdown, the very first lockdown. And I yeah. lived alone because I just got out of a six-year relationship. I was drinking heavily. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just fucking watch Midsummer. <laughs> what a perfect movie. <laughs> so I'm watching Midsummer going, there is nothing redeeming about this film. She, no. the, the main character... She has the personality of a wet mop. <laughs> and I'm just going, give me something to work with. Give me something. And even the boyfriend, he was the same. It was just like, Awful. no one is likable. I'm like, I like movies where you have unlikable characters, but this was just like, oh, it was yeah. such a slog. And then when it started to pick up, when have you guys, you both have seen it, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. you know that when the elders jump off that cliff and they go splat mm -hmm. into that rock, I was yeah. like, oh, okay, you've got my attention. Give me more of this. Yeah. I'm totally down for more of this. And then it just doesn't happen. And then there's some dance with the May Queen thing when they're all dancing around. <laughs> yeah, the I'm, maple. Like, I'm just like, what is this? Like, I'm supposed, I thought this was meant to be a horror film. And. Then, then it ends at the end and she's laughing or crying or and her, whatever and, that is yeah. whatever that is and everyone's like yeah you didn't see the symbolism I'm like fuck the symbolism I thought this was a horror <laughs> film like yeah you know the only symbolism I got was that you know the barn was yeah. triangular so it was like they, they should have just superimposed the A24 logo yeah. on that barn while it was on fire <laughs> like yeah. that would have been very symbolic you know but yeah, yeah with this with this whole elevated horror thing um someone who i follow um who's like a jaws fanatic mentioned it i'm like what is this so they told me what it was and i'm like that just sounds fucking pretentious it just sounds like it's an excuse for people who want to say that they have got a refined taste in film so the ones that will on their twitter bio will say they're cinephiles it's usually those type of people so 
they'll be saying like, oh, you know, I don't really like horror. It's too crude or it's too this, but this is an excuse for them to watch those kind of films. Or it's people who want to be taken seriously just in general in the horror community. That's what I think it is. I think it becomes less about enjoying the film and more about the, um, I guess, the way people look at you for talking about it, if that makes sense. Right. Mm. Yeah, and... I don't know. I guess, like, the horror films that I really enjoy and the horror films that really scared me, like, mm. yeah, they they don't have that elevated sense. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> they're usually, like, the grimy kind of, um, yeah, grindhouse-type horror films. Those yeah. are the ones mm. that scare me. Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Dude, was, right? like, yeah, that type of movie, you know? Um, and, yeah, it's just a shame that, that this is what people think. It's, like, that that's where the genre is heading. Yeah. And I will say, too, the reason why I watched both uh, versions of, <laughs> oh, of Midsummer was because I watched it as a comedy. Like, I was laughing all the way throughout the entire movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, both versions. Like, that's why, like, yeah, that, that, that's just the thing with me. Like, because I, I don't know. I, I do have, like, a kind of a sick sense of humor, like, gore and, mm-hmm. and violence tends to yeah, make yeah. me laugh me so, especially in movies maybe not so much in real life but <laughs> but but yeah that was the thing it was like um i i even i i guess like mentioned this to other people i was like yeah i i really needed to see like a head smashed in like a lot better than i did in like drive or or yeah. um irreversible yeah oh <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah. Mo- yeah this movie gives it to you oh what did you think of irreversible by the way love Jim? it yeah love it and but w- I think would you consider that as horror would you consider no, that to I, be hard? I, I wouldn't. I just think it's just a fucked movie. Like, yeah. it's, it's kind of like with, um, oh, what's that movie? Oh, my God, I can't believe it. has got Jared Leto. It's the only Jared Leto film. Oh, Requiem for a Dream. Right. It's kind of like, it's just fucked. There's nothing redeeming at all in the film. And sometimes we need those kind of movies where you watch them where everyone is pretty much, to an extent, unlikable. And nothing good comes out of the film it's just what you're seeing right now is what is happening and that is that like new york rip is a great example have you guys seen that no oh so that's Mm. a lucio fulci film it's uh kind of like a giallo but it's dirty as fuck and as you watch it as more of these women are getting like murdered it becomes more grotesque more violent and the characters in it even um one of the victims she actually gets away at the beginning and you're just like, I don't like her. Like, no one, you don't like anybody. It's like watching hell on earth. And I think yeah. sometimes we need those films. We just need to watch something that is fucking gross, disgusting, and you and you want to have a cold shower afterwards. Right. It's, it's, sure. it's, a, it's a good palate cleanser, I think. I've got to check this out, New York Ripper. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Jade, I also got to ask you before we let you go, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, just wrapping things up i guess uh like having seen so many horror movies do any of these still scare you like do you still get scared yeah actually so um the one that scares me and i've already already mentioned it was um black christmas okay that scares me uh a lot because um just the fact that someone is living in your attic and they're calling from inside the house and they're (laughs) saying the most grotesque things on the phone like it makes it sound like there's a pig being squealed in the background and it's awful it's just and also the faceless killer aspect of it you don't know who it is 
Right. And the whole time you go, who the fuck is it? Like, is it the boyfriend? Is it one of the guys that's over at the very beginning of the film? Or is it just someone crazed maniac that is just living in your basement? And not knowing is more fucking terrifying than knowing the whole backstory of, of like a serial killer in a film. Like, I just think it's far more terrifying. So whenever I watch that, it's the one horror film I will watch with the lights on. Oh, wow. One film. It's the <laughs> one movie I will watch with the lights on. Because I remember the first time I watched it, I had just moved out of home and I was alone in the house and I'm sitting in the living room, lights are off and I'm watching it and I'm just like, I swear I heard someone outside. <laughs> like, I swear. <laughs> so it, it affected me so much. So whenever I watch that, it's with pure caution. I have to be in the right frame of mind to watch that. If I'm feeling a bit tired or a bit sad or a bit of whatever and I watch it, nah, it's, that's oh, wow. it. I will be sleeping with the light on for the week (laughs) i know it's bad but anything that's like home invasion related it's yeah it's too that that's when it gets like a bit real unless it's like really hilarious and like violent and silly like then i'm cool with it but when it's like that where it's someone stalking and praying it's a different level that's why i can't watch um have you watched the entity no oh my god you go it's fucked i've only watched that twice and i'll never watch it again (laughs) <laughs> the one. entity is this the one with barbara hershey yes yes the oh, very oh oh wow okay because it's like, yeah there's she's like there's like a ghost apparently in the house and you can hear some of the things that he says and he calls her the c-bomb and everything and he just <laughs> like the stuff he does to her it's fucked it's just ugh, ugh. yeah 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 can't All watch right. that again <laughs> how about you <laughs> Is there any that you, you know, still get scared by? Um, yeah, that's that's my main problem, you know. It's like, I, I watch a lot of horror movies too, mm. but hardly anything scares me. <laughs> you know, I guess partly because of my twisted sense of humor and, like, I find most gore and violence to be funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, like, uh, what was the last movie that really scared me? But, like, I would have to go all the way back to, like, something like, uh, have either of you seen The Relic? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it yeah. that's great. Yeah, yeah, and it was a, it was this crazy thing of basically after I watched it, I was staying in a New York apartment with like a really loud radiator, and I couldn't <laughs> sleep because the sound of that radiator sounded like the monster, mm. <laughs> the relic, and I even read the book that it was based on, and that it was just crazy too, just reading that, so it was like, mm. you know, just even that, like just went into my head so like yeah that you know in terms of like losing sleep like i i grew up with an aunt and an uncle who loved horror movies too so yeah. that kind of like yeah. uh built my um kind of i, I want to say resistance in a way like they would always be watching horror movies just before like i would go to sleep and you know i slept in their living room and the tv was in the living room so i had to go to sleep while they were watching a horror movie <laughs> and it was just like sometimes it it wasn't even like like looking back on it now i'm like this isn't really a scary movie uh like i would find out that it's like a comedy but just the premise of it like scared me you know uh like they watch this uh movie with with, um uh rupert um why am i blanking on his name is this movie called cemetery man oh um delamort delamort yeah 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 um, yeah and like everett Rupert Everett, yeah, yeah, and like just the premise of that movie scared me. Just the idea of it, yeah. like you know, they would watch like The Omen, and even yeah, they watched Beetlejuice, which I enjoyed, uh, <laughs> but that scared me too. You know, when uh, when Alec Baldwin yeah. and and Gina Davis die, you know, at the beginning of the movie, you know, it was like those types of things. But I think that kind of built my 
my resistance to like being scared like it was I, I always like compare my like the, acquiring a taste for horror movies the same way like I acquired a taste for spicy food where I oh, just kept yeah. on doing it and then eventually it's just like that's why I'm always curious especially with like horror movie fans like you know that that's your niche that it's like if you could still continue to be scared you know it's like because uh yeah i feel like it, it's kind of worn off with me like uh it's just rare like i want to be scared though because there's nothing else like it that thrill yeah of being like yeah. scared in the movie theater like so 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 even like when you saw movies like like, like i remember like the last time I, got, I was really scared in the theater was i remember watching the grudge oh. in the theater Ooh. yeah and like there's a scene where they're like peeking into the attic and so it's like it's any one of those things where it's like the camera is like peeking into an area and you know okay I'm going to see something and yeah. and you can prepare yourself but there's still like the, and it, I guess it goes to the skill of the of the editing mm. you know even if you're prepared for that jump you're going to see a face you're going to see a thing when it happens if it if they can do it in a surprising enough way the tension is still pretty scary um and so like that's where i still experience like you know that 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 those scary moments you know yeah right yeah i i haven't seen the grudge so i can't really speak to it Uh, it's, it's a big uh blind spot for me that i should watch but like I guess uh, just in the context, so I don't know how you were, Jade, when like all these Asian horror movies were were coming out. Were you into them at all? Um, so I was a teenager when a lot of them came out. So I could like because Australia it's so hard to get them at the cinema anyway. So right. I didn't get to see some of them. So I watched them as like an, someone in my early twenties at the time. So I did watch them. That they, they do make your skin crawl. Do those ones? I'm not going to lie. Like I right. went through a massive thing where I was like renting them. Like I'd have themed nights back in the day. And I remember like yeah. going to the video store and renting a whole bunch of them. And I'm fairly certain I, I didn't sleep that night or <laughs> that week. Yeah. Right. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's terrifying. And- like those kind of things are terrifying. And like, I think they're probably the, one of the only films where like when you watch it, you watch it with complete fucking caution. Right. Like every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I still remember watching The Ring in yeah. whatever year that was early 2000s in a theater and just the the, the moment when you realize she can come through the TV <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um and you know it's like it's 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 a slow build you know the water starts to come out of I think the TV and just the mo- the reactions the audience was what the audience was having I'll always remember that just like the oh shit people were yelling right like the people like were starting to like freak out when you know and then when she finally you know kind of teleports you know um yeah just that build i I remember i'll like i'll always remember that and it's scarier with people in a theater right essentially yeah yeah I, i i just feel like now that movie like the impact has been lessened because hardly anybody yeah. watches movies on tape anymore you know, like yeah. that was so much a part of it was that, you know, it was like this tape because I saw it on tape and that terrified yeah. me when I saw it on tape right. because it was just like, yeah, am I going to die now? Like, it's yeah, like, exactly. like it, it, it fed into that kind That's of legend good. and it kind of created a space outside of the movie you know i mean if you want to talk about like augmented reality like oh that, that's kind well, of like an early that and 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 people don't see a lot of snow on their television anymore <laughs> that's true you know, uh, yeah. like, like, they, they don't. don't see that static <laughs> 
yeah so um yeah it, it feels like now it's like an ancient artifact in a way and uh, again i guess for me like what kind of spoiled it for me was just um uh when all these asian horror movies were were coming out this huge wave was that i was like leaning more towards the asian extreme directors who weren't necessarily making horror but they were making like super gory films like guinea pig i haven't seen that one actually (laughs) What, what is that one Oh, they're just like torture porn ones, really. Oh um, wow! Yeah. Oh like, wait, I'm no, bit... I know what you're talking about. I think this yeah, is the one Charlie that Charlie um, Sheen um, saw called, it. Like, yeah. the FBI. because yeah, he thought it was, it was a real, real snuff, film. snuff film. Yeah, that's right. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Um, but no, it was like movies like um, uh, Takashi Miike's movies, like you know, Audition. Oh, Ichi yeah. the Killer. Audition, yeah, Ichi yeah. the Killer. Yeah, like yeah, those yeah. movies. I saw those before, like The Ring and The Grudge really became hits. You know, so yeah. that's really what what um, kind of like I was prepared for the, the extreme, so yeah, um, yeah and, and it, it's very different, you know. I mean, I would you consider audition to be a horror movie, Jade? Yeah, I would. Yeah, 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 totally and it, and it, it's wild how it if you don't know where it's going, like it just lulls you into this thing yeah. of like thing. It's like a rom com. <laughs> oh, it's just this. I blindly bought that from Arrow. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it, it it's great. I mean, I'm still a big fan of Takashi Miike, even though I think he's kind mm. of uh, faded uh, in the background a little bit. But yeah, it's just um, yeah, it's just fascinating with me with with the way like horror movies are going now. We have like this huge like backlog of movies. Like, I mean, some of the movies you just mentioned, Jade, I haven't seen. You know, uh, that we can yeah. go back to. But I think yeah, a lot of filmmakers can take that advice. So what you're saying, like, to deal more with the unknown. Rather than giving yeah. so much backstory, like that's scarier than anything. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And I think we need more of those kind of movies. I'm sick of seeing sequels and remakes and reboots and whatever else. Just give us something fresh that we've never seen. With just make it about the horror, make it a good story. It doesn't need to be two and a half hours long to get your point across. Like you know, it right. doesn't need a director's well, cut, which is three hours long. Yeah. Just give us the film. Just yeah, give just us a give- direct. Yeah, give us the Roger Corman, like, you know, deliver the movie in an hour and a half. Like, hour and a half. That's I'm a a busy woman. I have a lot of films I have to binge. (laughs) Like, so just make it this length. You know, if you want to make it 80 minutes, I'd be happy. I don't care. Just, like, give us something. Because it all comes down to the pacing. It comes down to the story and, like, you know, getting rid of the, like, you know, when you're cutting the fat off it. Just make it direct. And, And I think, like, we should go back to that a little bit. You know, let's let's maybe maybe these film directors should like start seeing themselves as indie film directors again and going, okay, like let's let's work with a budget constraint or a time constraint and see what we can do and get rid of just the crap that's in a lot of screenplays that don't need to be in there that that add no weight to the story at all. Right. Yeah, and it. I mean, it's funny because in principle, you'd think that like that's what Bloomhouse does. You know, but, (laughs) but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, they're making a bunch of money off it, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, uh, yeah, they're selling people bags of air. That's what I, I I get a sense, you know, it's like, oh yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, I really think that has a lot to do with what has ruined modern horror is that paranormal activity hype video of the, the people reacting in the theater from it. And I, think just... I think one of the big things that has ruined horror films in general 
um, just across the board. It doesn't really matter of the subgenre or subcategory, but I think there's so much rush to get to the end without building any tension. So mm-hmm. I think by the time you actually get to like the third act, you're kind of disinterested or you already know what's going to happen. It's very, it's right. very much like, oh, like, it's like empty calories. You know what's going to happen. And yeah. they don't, they really don't flesh out the important things. They flesh out the really, like, unimportant things that no one's going to remember. So, and then in the end, you'll have a film where people go, oh, well, I would have liked a bit more of this, or I would have liked a bit more of that. But there's nothing worse than getting to a kill and just going, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> That's all right. It's fine. I just thought of one last question to ask you, Jade, um, since okay. we, we've kept you for this long already. But um, That's fine. I'm not, uh, I'm not doing anything else today. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, our mm-hmm. next episode, we're actually going to be covering Nope by uh, Jordan Peele. And I'm wondering if you've seen any of Jordan Peele's movies and what I do you think of them? I have seen, uh, I saw Get Out and I did see Us. Yeah, um, those were good. So I saw, yeah, so um, I did enjoy Get Out. Because it kind of reminded me, like, of like, a, like a really long version of a Twilight Zone episode. So, I dug it mm. for that reason. Uh, when it came to us, I had no fucking clue what was going on in that movie, and not for, and I <laughs> so mean that in like not in a good way. It yeah. was, I was like, oh, oh okay. And then because everyone was crapping on about how it was so good, that again, yeah. you should never believe the hype of a horror film because nine times out of ten, it's never as good as what everyone's saying. Um, right. But I watched it. I was like, ah, ah, it's it's okay. It's okay. It, and like, it wasn't even okay when I went back and had another second watch of it. I was like, nah. okay. So I heard about this new film, Nope, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I'll say it. I haven't seen a trailer <laughs> yeah. of it. Got- I know. I'm I'm excited, but I'm also very worried. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for, for for the movie experience in that in that like no one can spoil it mm-hmm. because I think I'm I'm, I'm gonna see it. Uh, pretty close to opening but yeah nice there is that there is a worry there there's definitely a worry there yeah i did, i did not like us so yeah what were you gonna say Jay? um did uh jordan pill do the new Candyman film or was that someone else no that was nia da costa he just uh produced oh, okay. it but he's he's got oh, okay. his yeah he's got his his fingerprints i think he 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 co-wrote the script too uh oh, did you okay. see that I watched it no oh, i haven't don't... watched it don't because uh, I love don't the original. Bother. Yeah, don't bother. Okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, Isn't yeah, it's bad? a waste of time. Yeah, we it it, it ah. addresses all the problems that we've been uh we've been bringing up with, oh, really? with modern horror okay. films. Yeah, yeah, it, it uh it employs an agenda, you know. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know. It 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 also just does a bunch of things that doesn't make any sense, to the point that it's kind of hilarious, you know. Um, okay. uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. And you know, the thing is like, um, I like that actor, uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, but it's just like everything that I've seen him in up until Ambulance, which was really good. I enjoyed Ambulance, but up until then, like everything that I saw him in, I was just like, man, this is awful. He was like in that, uh, Black Mirror episode, um, uh, uh Striking Vipers, and uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then um I love that one. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I guess there there's some camp uh value to it. Um yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh and then uh um uh, that awful uh, ill-advised like HBO uh series on Watchmen which had nothing to do with the comic books, you know. Oh, um God, yeah, I heard about yeah, that. I never yeah. saw it. 
Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah Candyman is, is awful. Like, it, and then again, it, it's directed by somebody who doesn't understand horror, you know? Like, I think... Uh, th- I don't think it's her first film. She had directed something else before that, but it wasn't a horror film, for sure. But yeah, it's like, that. that's what we're getting. It's like people... that. I mean, I guess Jordan Peele is fascinating because, you know, he established himself uh, as a comedian. Um, yeah. And now he's kind of like horror film royalty in a way and like he's a big name like you know it's like his yeah. name is just plastered so hugely over the the promotional material for for no yeah i do wonder will he end up being like a rob zombie kind of a dude oh mm. that's interesting is he on the zombie track <laughs> <laughs> well i i think he's definitely experienced more success than than zombie has at this point i mean he right. won an oscar for for get out which is yeah. just wild. Uh, not bad for his first attempt at a feature. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's definitely... Um, his 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 fan base is a lot broader than Rob Zombie's, too, because it, it's... It, oh, yeah. yeah, it's not just, like, horror fans. It's also, I guess, people who are fans of him from Key and Peele. And, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's not like he's had misses, you know? He, he, he did a, yeah. a reboot of... Um, of Twilight Zone that everybody's forgotten about now, you know. You did that? Yeah, yeah. With like, I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I forgot. Yeah, people have forgotten about it already. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. This is this is a big one, but I I think for me, uh, like uh, the appeal of it, even though I hated us, was that um, uh, he he he's using like a big format. I'm always fascinated by directors who use IMAX. You know, even though like I I have my uh, ambivalence towards Christopher Nolan, like I'll still go watch a Christopher Nolan film because it's gonna be an IMAX, you know. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm definitely gonna be um watching Nope in IMAX and see what he does with the format. Um, but yeah, I'm just cautiously optimistic. We'll mm-hmm. see how it, how it goes. So, cool. Jay, do you have any mm-hmm. parting thoughts for us uh, before we let you go? Yeah, yeah, some wisdom. Come on. I, I don't a rant. have wisdom. <laughs> I, I can I can rant until the sun comes down. Just give me just give me a topic yeah. and I'll and I'll try I'll try and give you a rant if you want. I, I don't really uh, I don't really have any putting wisdom. But if anyone is listening and they're talk, you know they love films, like the one thing I'll always say about movies is um, don't be ashamed to you know dig what you like. If you hate something, fucking hate it. If you love it, you can love it. It doesn't matter if like half of like all of film Twitter or whatever are all against you and going, did you even like this movie? Like, why didn't you like this movie? Do you even know how to enjoy films? <laughs> that's that's the new thing on Twitter. Have you seen it? Do you no. know how to have fun when you watch movies? That's because of the new uh, Thor film. Everyone's <laughs> hating on that. And so someone I follow, like everyone started like going in on this person to like, do you know how to enjoy films? It's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been like a uh, dog piled on, on Twitter, on... Jade, for an opinion? Um, I have, <laughs> okay. but not in the public forum. I have um, copped a lot of abuse in my messages um, because Oof. I had a podcast up until last year. What was the name of the podcast, by the way? Uh, Sleazy Cigarette Burns. <laughs> nice. Dope yeah. Um, and it was pretty much a podcast, which I talk about films. I also give dating advice because at the time I was, uh, you know, doing like the online dating thing. So I was like throwing out funny advice and stuff. Oh, fantastic. But, 
Oh yeah, it was a little segment I had in the in the later episodes, but I was talking about some of uh, the issues that surround the film industry and kind of calling it out. I, I could have said a lot worse than what I really think, but I just kind of honed it in a little bit. And I started getting a whole bunch of abuse on my messages oh, on man. SoundCloud. And then it went on to Twitter and I got threatened with being doxxed. So that's why the podcast doesn't, I don't do it anymore. Oh, man. Yeah. So um, it all started because I, I had this um, episode about strong women in film and how I'm pretty much saying like, there are strong women in film. Like you can watch films like Lady Snowblood. Like all of Shaw Brothers' films have got so many strong women in it. Right. But people Come are more cons- Yeah, but people are more concerned with um, these, like you know, these new films where they've got an all-female reboot and all this other stuff. And I think to myself, why would you want to ride the coattails of something that was previously successful with a group of men? Why wouldn't you start your own thing? That was pretty right. much my um, my argument. And. I just copped a whole bunch of abuse from a lot of film Twitter that are all, you know, a lot of them are in that like Fangoria horror crowd. Oh, and, which is ironic yeah. considering, yeah. you know, how that fell apart. Like yeah, all the well, Fangoria and, and also, stuff. Like, and, and I'm not political because I like in Australia, it's like you have to, it's compulsory to vote. I hate it. Oh, um, wow. I'm not political in the slightest. So having people who are extreme leftists on Twitter, and again, I'm not, I'm not on the right, by the way, let me just clarify that. Sure. But when I have people who are extreme leftists spouting all this shit on um, Twitter and, you know, being holier than thou, yet they're sending me all this abuse in my messages and they've dug up an article, which I'm, I've always push this article i have no issue with it i wrote about i spit on your grave which is a rape revenge film and i absolutely love that film and i explained why i do um but i had a few people call me a rape apologist wow yeah i had one girl in particular um who i do follow purely because i get enjoyment when people dogpile on this person but um she came into my inbox and said that uh, I'm a rape apologist and she had every right to say that because apparently she had gone through that and she enjoys rape revenge films. So that's what she said to me. What? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. even make any sense. I know, I know. Um, and apparently I'm struggling with internal misogyny um, and all this other stuff. <laughs> and it was just a lot of that. So it got yeah. to a stage where it was a lot of bullying. I was get- And I wasn't responding. I'm, I'm very happy just to give a swift block. I don't give a fuck. I'm right. just like, blog. I don't want to, I'm not going to, I never argue with people on Twitter because it's just stupid to do that. It's just, you're yeah. asking for it. Yeah. It's you're pointless. asking for it if you do. So I don't put anything political, nothing. I talk about movies. That's, that's it. And right. um, I just kept getting abuse. I, I had like probably about 50 or 60 messages from countless people in the oh, horror community. And the thing is the the reason why I stopped the podcast wasn't just necessarily the doxing. It was that there was editors and people who wrote for these, you know, not just Fangoria, but a lot of the horror uh, websites and film websites, they pretty much said, oh, well, you're a writer. We'll make sure you never like make it in any kind of wow, uh, I guess, really? thing. So, and because I, I enjoyed the writing process, much more than the podcasting thing, I that's why I stopped. Oh. Because I was yeah, like, okay, yeah. fine, that's fine. But I'm thinking of starting up my own website and making it all about the shit that I like because I'm I'm sick of pitching to people that sure. are like, Yeah, we love you, we love your ideas and everything. And I'm like, what about this? And they're like, Well, I don't know if our readers will like this. And I'm like, Well <laughs> fuck, like you you, yeah. you you want me to pitch to you. You said you liked the original idea. Now you want me to change the original idea. Like, so I, I have had a lot of that. 
Yeah. So yeah, yeah you're better just... off going going indie, and you know, I mean, I, I see some like former critics too now who kind of have their own website with like kind of a yeah. subscription or like a Patreon mm. style like way to kind of support them. So you know, I think you could probably pull that off because yeah, I, I I mean, some some of our listeners are probably hearing about you for the first time, but. Uh, I can attest to it that you really are a good writer and, you know, it's like you do your research, you know, um, I mean, you obviously you sometimes you even watch these movies more than once. So you, you, you yeah. know, every angle, <laughs> you know, um, I try. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's amazing. And I, I, I mean, it, it's funny because like uh, I have certain friends, uh, I'm not calling them out, but they're, they're, they're like suffering from burnout. Uh, from movies and that's why like I'm amazed that you exist that you can watch like hundreds of movies and not feel burned out at all you know yeah (laughs) I I, I just don't and I think the thing is it's like I'm, I'm all good like happy to watch things I've never seen before but I think sometimes you do have your favorites that like like I said, like, it'd be one o'clock in the morning. Guess I better turn on heat. <laughs> like, yeah. guess I better watch it. And I think it's just those kind of things which make you remind yourself that of why you like the films you like or, you know, if you're writing, this is why you do it. You know, because I've wrote for places where they burn you out and make it like a factory and they right. want you to report on, like, I always find it's really, like, bad taste when a celebrity's died and then they want you to write like a thousand word mm. article oh, on it yeah. i've had to do that before on um a couple of actors this is back in like 2013 and i hated doing it it was like it just feel like the body ain't even cold yet right you know and this yeah. is all for your clicks you know yeah and yeah when you're having to do that kind of stuff constantly and you're having to um and i understand why you have to write about certain things i get it but when every single like publication online is writing about the same fucking things and at the moment all it is is stranger things marvel and star wars oh, and man. it's it's the constant thing cuz i actually got approached by collider to write for them oh wow and yeah they came to me i didn't go to them and yeah. they wanted a writing sample so my my writing sample cuz they they give you a topic like a few different topics to pick from like what film should have won an oscar that didn't and um one thing i put was uh, one of the topics they gave was um blank is the best streaming service so i put tubi <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so oh, i did tubi cuz they're probably thinking oh netflix or disney cuz they're the ones that give them all the good deals and they give them the screeners tubi ain't going to fucking do any of that shit yeah, so it's free. Like, they got nothing to get so uh, I speak to Tubi yeah. and then um, they sent me this email and it said, oh, so like I was looking through your tastes and you didn't mention anything about you liking Marvel or Star Wars. And I'm like, well, you've got so many writers that write about that. Why would you want another one? And also when you approached me, you didn't say anything about that. Right. So you said, Weird. yeah, you said to me that you liked my style of writing and you liked the fact that I know a lot about old school stuff and, you know, I have a lot of knowledge on that sort of thing. Why do you need someone else that's going to write about top 10 things you didn't notice in that episode of The Mandalorian? Like, you know, <laughs> it's it's the same stuff like, you know, Jaws, the ending explained. Like, I, do we, why do we have these articles? Like, but I, I just got, kind of got annoyed and I just, well, go fuck yourself then. Like, I'm not wasting my time. So don't waste my time wanting me to write about Marvel and Star Wars when you have 50 other writers that do the same thing. Yeah, your 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 chosen topics are not clickbaity enough for our factory of yeah, NPC it. writers. <laughs> 
you know, just just say it because like I've tried to get other positions, but again, it's it's all yeah. very much like, oh, we like your work, but it's like, well, okay, fine, don't approach me next time to apply for something. Yeah, <laughs> like because I'm not gonna give you. Are like you know Marvel endings explained. I'm not going to give you that because yeah. I don't watch. I, it's uh, the ironic. I work in a comic book store and I have no interest in watching superhero films. It's like yeah. I'm done. I'm completely burnt out. That's the they're the one movies I am burnt out with. It's that right. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, okay. Tight. All right. Tight. So um. Yeah. So Jade. Um. I heard some wisdom in yeah, there. There was something. Watch <laughs> that rant. Yeah. Now I'm curious too, <laughs> since you mentioned that you give like uh dating advice on that that podcast. Like. Oh, there's wh- some great dating advice on there. Yeah. Uh, so your podcast advice. is still around. I mean. Yeah, it's on SoundCloud. It's only exclusively on there because anyone that wants to find that kind of stuff, they'll find it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Um, so, can you give us like a nugget of, of dating advice right now? What, what What do you want to know? What do you want to know, man? <laughs> okay. Well, Steve's married, so it doesn't apply to him. Uh, I'm single. So, what would? Okay. Yeah. What What kind of advice would you give me? I I've quit dating apps, by the way. I haven't used. You them quit for the dating a, yeah. apps. So, so what's been the issue, man? Because I am a I am a I am actually a trained counselor as well. Oh so yeah, I I forgot sweet. to mention that. Yeah, on Twitter you offer advice uh, on I do. Uh, for. So you give therapy? I do give therapy, yes. Wow. Okay. So I'm getting free advice right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So how how do I navigate? Like, because I mean, I think now with dating, it seems like it's been sectioned off to these apps. Like people don't think that they can meet somebody in real life anymore. Like, you know, that that fantasy of like meeting somebody at the grocery store or (laughs) that never happens. Yeah. So There's no clean scores anymore. It's so no. sad. Yeah. So yeah, what what would be the the best chances for me going cold without the dating apps? And I have no intention of ever coming back because I've I've just had awful experiences. That's that's another podcast or maybe a conversation we could have off oh. off record. But um, yeah, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. So dating apps dating apps are not in favor for the men. I'll tell you that. Yeah, much. they're <laughs> that's definitely true. not. It's it's always just always remember it's a numbers game. Sure, it's always a numbers game. It's like yeah. it's like gambling. Right, you're a guy on the dating websites. Yep. Yeah, roll of the dice. Um, so, yep. so <laughs> is everything uh, hopeless for me? Is that? <laughs> no, I don't think everything is hopeless for you. Okay. I just, I think when it comes down to like when I was doing the dating apps, I didn't actually go onto Tinder because fuck that. I was yeah. like, because as some as studying counseling, I also learned from the dating apps the rise of STDs was a thing. That's something we learned. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I was like, I don't ever want to use Tinder for that for that yeah. now. <laughs> but the one thing I will say, like when I would look at a profile. Because obviously you go on there and anyone that says looks doesn't matter, it's full of shit. Because, <laughs> yeah, you've got to be attracted to something, okay? Mm-hmm. Like if someone was had a, a dating profile that sounded great and they had no picture, I'd be like, yeah, well, there's no picture then, soz. Right. Sorry. But I think one of the things with men is that it always pays to be funny but not cheesy in terms of like, uh, you know, like those silly pickup lines that guys give. But... The thing is, as well, you've you've got to try and target the right kind of woman. And when I say target, I don't mean like as in like you know you've got to like stalk a woman. But I think you need to. I think when you're a guy on these dating apps, you've got to learn to cut your losses a lot quicker than what a lot of guys do because they really try. And the thing is, with the women on there, they know that they have the upper hand. Right. So what will happen is you'll go onto these dating apps and the guy will initiate the conversation, ask the questions, and they will give one-word answers. Right. And as soon as you start getting these one-word answers and they're not asking you stuff back, 
move on to the next one block the bitch go to the next one right and i think when you start to get the conversation rolling i think that's when you can kind of go okay let's meet on let's let's meet in a public um place let's go do whatever have dinner never pick a movie for a first date because it's the dumbest thing you can do unless they are a movie buff and they're both and she's wanting to see a film that you also want to see then yeah sure but make sure you have dinner or have something like a coffee afterwards you know you've got to keep that kind of communication line open yeah, because that um, would be kind of awkward the first time you meet somebody and you just sit in silence for th- two, three hours. Well, if you're seeing an A24 film, it might be three hours. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I always recommend doing something like that. Like, everyone's like, oh, go to a bar, have a drink. I mean, yeah, you can. And like, everyone's kind of end game of that first date is very different. Like, I know a lot of guys be like, oh, I want to go back to your place and, you know, hop on the good foot and do the bad thing. And then the other, and the chick might be like, well, I just want to have a drink and do whatever. I think it's always really good to kind of have a relaxed setting. When I was um, dating years and years ago, when I first started the dating websites, I'd go to like uh, an arcade and play air hockey. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Like that I find is really great because you can, it's good seeing how competitive the other person is. Cause we used to play the shooter, like the Rambo game. We used to play that. So yeah. when I'd go on dates, I'm like, yeah, let's go to the arcade and let's do that. And then maybe have something to eat or go for a drink because playing games and being childish is what kind of opens people up as opposed to kind of going straight to a dinner and you're kind of sitting there. Whereas like a week ago you were having a conversation with this person over an app. Right. So, I think doing something light like that is a really good icebreaker. If she doesn't want to go to an arcade or anything that's remotely fun, next person. Right. That's that's my opinion. Yeah. Because you have to put yourself out there on these dating apps. And look, we're all introverts and extroverts. Because I'm, personality-wise, I'm extrovert. But as a person, I'm, I'm very much an introvert. Yeah. Um, hence why I stay home watching the amount of movies I watch. <laughs> um but I think you kind of have to find the right balance of the female that is of those two things. And if they do want to come out, oh, is that the Oscar wrap up music or something? Wrap it up. No, you should use the Jaws theme. The Jaws theme. Yeah. Didn't um Seth MacFarlane use that? I was not playing you off. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. But yeah, just try to find someone that will do something where it's lighthearted and fun as opposed to something that's very kind of regimented by like, we've got to go to dinner by seven, got to right. go to the movie by this time. Because I feel when you have that, it's kind of like, uh, well, I've got to do this by a certain time. Just keep it very spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's good that's, to know. Um, yeah, yeah. Even though I, I still will never use a dating app again. Um, yeah. Like uh, I definitely feel, I, I, you know, that's part of it. Like my belief is that I'll, I'll meet somebody the organic way, <laughs> like the way it used to be. Like there's something, there's still a part of me that believes that, but obviously it, it's up to me. Like, you know, I have to make the move. Um, and yeah, like, uh, uh, where I go to the grocery, there's actually some girls that I'm, I'm interested in, but that's yeah. really the thing. It's like, I guess it's just like managing to kind of bypass that initial awkwardness of like talking to somebody like you know just that random i i guess this is how i usually open is like uh i have to like bring up something completely random you know it's like uh it it, it has to be like oh uh 
what do you think of salad dressings? You know, like something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because actually I'm definitely confused by salad dressings. There's just so many of them. But, you know, it's, it's like that kind of thing. That, and, you know, I... Um... That's really good, Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, That's... yeah, yeah and, I like and that. it's been... You know, I've had, like, good interactions. It's just basically been the follow-up where I kind of tend to stumble. And uh, the last time I actually, like, asked somebody out and I really stumbled hard was... Uh, turns out she was married. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, but that's a whole other story that is crazy. But anyway, um, yeah, like, I, I, I should have been paying more attention to the ring on her finger. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just like no because you know how some people wear rings just to like uh um yeah. to to like uh weigh people off. So it's like something not to um uh just to deter people just so they won't get hit on or, and it was like a loose ring too. So I couldn't imagine that it was her wedding ring. You know, mm-hmm. but that's what happened. So yeah, I I I don't know if I have completely recovered from that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, that speaks to why people go to the apps because you can do the yeah. numbers game thing with a lot less of that. Uh, yeah. The emotion that comes from trying to do the numbers game live. Yeah. Where, uh, yeah, each, each, uh, each rejection, each no, even, even if it was, you know, in, done in a nice way is so uh, impactful. Right. So it's like, you, it's like, uh, you really have to, you really have to, yeah. I have, I have no idea because it's like, God, I cannot imagine trying to like <laughs> talk to people in this modern day. Oh, yeah. It's so it's bizarre. rough out there. But um, yeah, that, it is. It is. The thing with me is that yeah, I'm not afraid of rejection. You know, it's like it's yeah. not. Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, you know, because I've just been rejected so many times that it, you know, you kind of <laughs> get numb to it after a while. And then also, yeah. Uh, you know, the the things that I've learned over the experiences, you know, and this may be considered to be a cope, but like, you know, in a way, it's just like, uh, yeah, it's definitely enabled me to like refine my approach because it's like, um, you know, sometimes you, you're just like attracted to somebody and you want to make it work. But, you know, you got to pay attention to the signals. You know, if they're not interested, they're yeah. not interested. Like you can't like keep yeah. pushing, you know, if you, you know, you got to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And attraction is a funny thing, like because also I feel like I've uh, developed more of a sense of like if somebody's attracted to me. Like I'm getting some sort mm-hmm. of response, and that's what I pursue now. Like, but yeah, if like yeah, say I I ask about the salad dressing, and they they answer it in like the most nonchalant way, then I know it's like okay, this person isn't, you know. And yeah. I, I think that's why it's good to like have a random opener instead of just like kind of uh you know asking directly or or something like that just mm-hmm. to overwhelm them because at least that is kind of like just establishing like how does this person feel towards me initially are they welcoming you know that kind of thing but yeah, yeah. i guess we'll i'll have to update you guys on my <laughs> my my adventures in dating without dating apps you know i feel like oh, i still like, think yeah. i still think you should try it again just don't go on to tinder <laughs> just, like, like tinder. just don't well, go on there surprisingly you know during the time my time on dating apps because i tried pretty much every single one the one that i had the most success with was facebook dating it's crazy. That's a thing? Yeah, yeah, it was a thing. Like, most people don't even know it existed. I mean, it's... I, I don't have Facebook. I haven't yeah. had Facebook for, like, five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny thing. So, God damn. Yeah, it started, like, I think in 2018 or 2019. Like, it's still fairly recent. Right. 
and um, it it was kind of in a beta phase, and um, they still haven't uh, <laughs> taken it out of that beta phase. It still feels like it's in in beta. Well, I mean, you know, I haven't used it in a year, so like I can't speak to it now, obviously. But during that time that I was using it, and the thing that was incredible about it, you know, which is what is my, you know, my issue with the other dating apps is that there was no like limit to like how many people oh, you got right. to see and there was no like yep. you know because you know how the algorithm works with the the modern dating apps where you know the most beautiful people get seen the most and all of those things they didn't have that on facebook you saw everybody and right. yeah and it was so funny too when i first started using it like um it sets the mile radius for you and like it set mine to 250 miles so i was Shit. like getting matches from mexico like, and I didn't even know. It was just like, what? Yeah, oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I was getting a lot of matches on Facebook dating. Like, it was the first time I felt like, oh, this is what it feels like to be a girl on a dating app. <laughs> because I got to, like... It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to take my pick of uh of girls you know <laughs> it was like crazy you, you, you really you really do when you're a girl on those apps mm-hmm. you, you really do get a a sense of um like i guess not superiority but it kind of feels like that but also I, another thing why guys tend to strike out is that girls go on there knowing exactly what they're looking for in terms of looks mm. or intent or whatever else so um but yeah those dating apps they're funny yeah. they're, I, I've, I've got screenshots of just stuff which make me laugh like if, if if a guy ever wrote in his profile that he likes banter yeah. which is a word when you like you know have you having a good conversation or a back and forth and you can tease the person it's called banter it's a big it's a big term over in australia yeah. and anytime i saw that i'd be like no <laughs> anytime it was like any guy that likes brunch i was like no <laughs> like there was there were certain things that i was like no yeah. i'm not interested because it's like you can just you have like those type of guys that will constantly get in your dms or try to swipe on you i'd be like nah block <laughs> i end up blocking so many people before i even contact them because i was like nah because this person's going to keep swiping right and i'm just like not interested so yeah i mean I, th- that yeah. that even amazes me because i was like so naive when i was initially on the dating apps that i i got as many mm. matches as i did and actually they led to dates that i didn't you know i wasn't thinking that i was like up against like you know millions of other messages from other guys and you know yeah. i just like approached it the way i would as as myself you know and then like mm. uh, that was enough uh but obviously it never led to anything long lasting i mean i've had friends who have like gotten married from dating from somebody they met from a dating app so you know right. yeah um so it's pretty incredible but yeah i i i, I feel like i'm i'm good <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah i'm gonna survive without the dating apps i should i should create a dating app for movie buffs yes i think i, I think we should get into the beta yeah. testing of that now. yeah like I, <laughs> like let's I, let's get into yeah, it yeah I've, I've seen like actually requests for that on twitter like some people have oh, been dear. yeah have been asking and I, it would totally work because it's like the yeah yeah you could have your favorite movies and match with people who have the same movies you know it's like it'd be so great yeah like yeah that it would be based on that algorithm instead of you know the the one that forces you to to pay for more you know yeah kind of thing oh man okay uh we're we're copywriting this um to yeah, anybody who's listening that this was, that idea was first heard here if, if you see a dating app come out that's movie based uh it was from us we're yeah. gonna sue that company <laughs> patent pending patent pending <laughs> 
All right, Jade. I guess, uh, yeah, this is a, a good time to call it. Thank you so much for uh, joining okay. us on the show. Yes, yeah, thank you, Jade. You were like the Sorry. perfect guest for this episode. Uh, all your insight. Sorry for the rants. Oh, no, the rants were excellent. That. And, um, yeah, you're, yes. you have an Top open win invite to come back. You know, uh, in, in, with this, you have our protection. We're going to white knight for you. If ever people, oh, oh, that's yeah, right. if people attack you for we have being some on this Twitter podcast. muscle, exactly yeah. movie food, yeah, baby. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you're always welcome, and we'll, we'll probably have you back for cruising. I mean, I would love to oh, hear yeah. you talk about cruising I, for five hours. I want to. That's a movie hole that I would love to. Film. Oh, Steve, yeah, so I'm, that, I'm, yeah, I'm awesome. curious what that movie does to your psyche. <laughs> okay all right okay. it will blow your mind um yeah so um yeah we've done previous episodes too where uh like steve will like break down the movie like scene by scene and i think you, steve you'll want to break down cruising scene by scene so yeah. <laughs> i can't wait shirt by shirt all right okay jade thank you so much for uh being on our episode and yeah come back anytime thank you thank you for the offer as well